Five, four, three, two, one. There was an idea to bring together a group of remarkable people to see if they could become something more. See if they could work together when we needed them to. To fight the battles that we never could. pause there because you thought to yourself one of us isn't handsome um no well, i wouldn't think that mm. y'all are all handsome okay uh i'd like to think i'm more pretty than handsome but mm. i'll take what i can get these days you're a pretty pretty girl tim and i'm sorry guest host what yeah i was trying to sneak that in there <laughs> how's that well and we didn't think... get the man himself so we had to downgrade Oh, see, see, I came in with such high hopes for this, and you know, I, I had a joke set up where I'm, I'm more debonair than than uh, handsome, but I, you didn't go on and spoil it all, Jenny. And and now I'm just sitting here, and, and the only thing, the only thought going through my head, Tim Capel, yep. is oh great, three broken white podcasters I need to fix. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got the movie. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Fix us, please. We're going to teach you a lot tonight, Nate, on this one. <laughs> on that note, welcome back to The Journey Through Infinity. We've been on hiatus for quite some time. We needed help. Probably for a reason. Yeah, I'll say for a reason. Yeah. Uh, so, so today we're covering Black Panther, right? Yeah, we sure are. Um, mm-hmm. It is the 18th film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, um, directed by Ryan Coogler. And starring Chadwick Boseman, the late Chadwick mm. Boseman, um, uh, with Michael B. Jordan, um, Martin Freeman's in this, who's awesome, and uh, you know a ton, a ton of great cast. We'll talk about it. But um, Tim, where is your, where was your excitement level for Black Panther when it hit the theaters? Oh, uh, you know, it was pretty pretty darn high. I remember, shit, back before Marvel Studios was even a thing, back when it was, like, I think called Marvel Entertainment Group back in the, the 90s, and they were, they were trying to get various properties off the ground. This was one that you would hear in all the um, trade publications of the day. I'm talking about Wizard Magazine, of course, <laughs> would have these little these little sections month after month about what's the status of these various superhero films and very few of them actually um came to fruition but you would get these periodic updates and for some reason it it seemed like black panther was just a perennial character who was uh 
just imminently going to come out any day now, you guys. It's it's got uh, it's got Denzel Washington attached. Mm-hmm. It's going to be great. Um, and they talked a lot about, um, you know, how it's going to have a much different look, much different feel than any other superhero movie you've ever had. Um, and this is, you know, also, I mean, this was honestly in the pre blade days. Mm-hmm. So, um, they, they kind of got that one right. You know, you sure enough, you got Wesley Snipes, who was also, I think, I want to say attached to a black Panther film at some point. <laughs> Um, but the one I remember hearing about a lot, and I bet a lot of it was just speculative. A lot of it was fan casting was, was Denzel. So, um, you know, that was, that's an interesting what if world, if, if that had actually happened back in the nineties, um, you know, again, before Blade, before any of these, these movies had taken off, but yeah, it had been sort of, uh, centered in my mind for this, the longest time. And when I heard that, you know, okay, it's a, it's officially happening as part of the MCU. I just was thinking, gosh, I, how did it take them this long when apparently they wanted to do it since, you know, 1993? Um, why are we in, what is this, you know, phase two now? Um, and it's just now coming out. So it, it felt long overdue, honestly. And um, I was really just looking forward to seeing what they, what they did with, this entire, I mean, let's, let's, let's call it what it is, family of characters, really, uh, because this is a, an entire world they're constructing, a world within a world that we find in, uh, Wakanda here. What was your level of excitement, Jenny? Um, so this one, um, I was excited, yeah. It's, I didn't know much about the character, um, which is not new for me going into these movies. So, um, you know, I was just excited to see what, what they were going to do with it and excited, especially for what looks like strong female characters um, in this Mm. world within a world. Um, What about you, Justin? Uh, Well, I mean, I didn't know anything about any of these things, you know, Mm -hmm. before that, but yeah, when it came up on my watch, I was excited for it. It looked like, you know, I had heard strong things. I um, honestly, I'll be honest. I didn't, hadn't seen much of Chadwick Boseman besides just hearing like how great he was in the movie and other work. Uh, but I am a fan of Michael B. Jordan, obviously as a diehard Rocky series, uh, fanatic. Uh, I love both Creed movies and obviously it's tremendous in those Friday night lights. He was great. So uh, I was quite familiar with, with a chunk of his work coming in as well. So yeah, no, I, I was looking forward to this. Nate Milton. What about you? I was pretty excited. You know, I, black Panther was a character that was kind of always, in the periphery of my comic reading and you know he was cool you know i I support all my uh superheroes of color but in the comics he was just kind of stoic and it didn't really jump off the page to me tim so you know it's like Mm -hmm. like like t'challa you cool but you're not luke cage baby you're not (laughs) sam Sam wilson out here talking to birds that that you can't do that t'challa you know you're not blade out here killing vampires you know uh and i think the comics were kind of stuck in that mold of we don't know how to write T'Challa until the Christopher Priest run, which yep. really kind of changed the character. And, like, that you can see some of those uh, foundational elements of Priest work in the film, even though I think it draws more on the uh, Ta-Nehisi Coates run. Uh, but I was I was excited for the movie, man. And my feeling, like, I, I had to watch it twice that first week, once just to see what was going on by myself. And then the second time, once I confirm my opinion with other people. And so, like, you might relate to this, Jenny. Mm-hmm. 
the feeling I had the first time I watched Black Panther was the same feeling I get whenever the Falcons make the Super Bowl or the Braves make the World Series <laughs> or the Hawks get a deep playoff run. Because it's like, I'm happy, but I'm also trepidatious. And so I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm happy I'm in this theater watching Black Panther. But, and I can say it because we're family. If this movie is bad, if this movie is Thor or, I mean, Thor Dark World or Incredible Hulk level, I'm going to have to lie to a lot of my white friends because there's no way, ain't no way I'm going to be trashing this movie. And so the first time I watched it, it was this weird mix of excitement but also nervousness. And then the second time I watched it, I could actually kind of sit back and enjoy it for what it was. So, yeah, like I think uh, real quick to Tim's point about the fan casting, like I'd heard the Wesley rumor, but I'd never heard the Denzel one. And if you think, like, I don't know how much this played into anything, uh, Tim, but if one of the people making this movie thought about Denzel and then they're like, okay, well, who's the 2018 equivalent in terms of kind of that stature and that poise? It's Chadwick. And I think that's a great casting that I don't know if I would have cast Chadwick as Black Panther because I probably would have been looking for someone who's outwardly more action guy, and that's not Chad. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, I guess... No, go ahead. No, go ahead, Jane. No, I mean, I was going to say, it kind of goes to what you said about Black Panther as a character being very stoic, and, you know, when you think about it that way, he he really does fit. Yeah, I was going to say, and it's not even the first time now that we've seen the character in the MCU as well, because he was in uh, Winter Soldier, right, is where we see him um, trying to avenge his father and all that, so that's... You know, it was a soft launch into the character, too. So we already knew, like, you know, we haven't seen him, you know, full on leading a film, but he was, he was good in there, too. So we knew, like, we, we probably had something good going on, at least in his role. And I think it helps that, honestly, we didn't get this movie in the 90s, not just because, you know, effects <clears throat> had, had come so much farther. Um, I mean, that's the big reason that, that it's better to wait on any of these superhero movies. But honestly, uh, I go back to what you were saying, Nate. Like, there just weren't a ton of, like, great classic Black Panther stories that you could mine just, just mm-hmm. from the comics. You look at his history, and yeah, it, it's just like you said, he's this very stoic character. There's, there have been good stories and good comics told with the character, but it's like, you know, that wasn't really in the forefront of anyone's mind when they talked about, like, great comic book runs and great comic book characters. He was sort of better better in theory than he was in practice. And mm. this movie, I, I would agree with you, benefits tremendously from coming in the wake of um, all the great work that creators like Christopher Priest did, um, even, you know, even borrowing from, uh, you know, the Regil- Reginald Hudlin stuff mm. um, right after Priest, who was sort of, I think he was sort of controversial at the time just for not being Christopher Priest. People were so in love with <laughs> with that run of comics. It was like, oh, he's irreplaceable. But, you know, you still got some good stuff out of out of these real powerhouse creators. And that allowed uh, the filmmakers to really pick and choose uh, what they, um, you know, could populate their film with and, you know, disregard the things that didn't work, emphasize the things that do. And um, it was really, I think it, while it, it, it felt like it was a long time coming, you, you sort of, you sort of needed to take that, that harsh medicine in a way um, to get the best possible product that you could. 
All right, so we're going into okay. So the thing about Black Panther is Wakanda is like a <laughs> secret country that nobody knows. Well, they know about it, but they think that it's third world, and you know, people just like you know, basically starving there. But they're actually super high tech and advanced because of vibranium. Um, very important uh, in the MCU. And um, and then there's this sort of a like a I don't know what would you call like the plant the the heart shaped herb is it supernatural is it alien Nate I mean it's here's the thing uh, in because in this iteration Tim are we to believe that the herb derives its its powers from the vibranium or is the herb something separate right. Right. Uh, I, I think that I couldn't quite pick like I still don't yeah. quite a hundred percent know. I thought it was affected by the vibranium, I thought. Yeah, I think shit. it's one of those I think it's one of those deals where these are separate concepts in the mm-hmm. comics, right? Yes. I mean there there's two different I mean there's even two different types of vibranium in the comics, which the movies have never gotten into. Um I think it's like so many things where they just take uh, sort of like concepts and combine them just for the sake of condensing these things so that they're less redundant or less confusing, perhaps more easily digestible for, for an audience that, you know, hasn't read all these stories. So, yeah, I, I think that's where you get the idea in the movie that, okay, the, the vibranium is sort of the heart of this, um, economy and and technology um within this this hidden um community but it also has these as you put it jenny supernatural almost alien powers because we're told that it's a the the vibranium ore is like a giant uh meteor deposit right Mm -hmm. so it, it it's sort of um insinuated itself throughout the entire land the soil everything it's just permeated um this physical environment in ways that are are very unusual and um you know the the people there have learned to reap the benefits for years and years so i i kind of like that again it's just taking um a little bit from column a a little bit of column B uh, from the comics, mashing them together and saying, yeah, this works. Uh, let's roll with it. All right. Um, so we start out uh, with uh, sort of like a flashback in the 90s with um, the king <laughs> of Wakanda, uh, T'Chaka, visiting his brother um, who is in Oakland, California. And then he's like, hey, you've been deal- you've been working with that claw dude uh, to steal a bunch of vibranium, and he's like, "Hey, no, I didn't." And then his buddy's like, "Hey, yeah, you did." And um, that's what I remember of that scene. <laughs> the reason that's I chuckled, yeah, it, it was very oh, yeah. accurate. I, I thought I was sitting right next to Ryan Coogler doing a table <laughs> read. Uh, uh, the reason I chuckled, Jenny, is because when you were going through that opening scene, it hit me. And every time I watch the movie, like I forget about it a little bit. And then when I watch uh-huh. it, I'm like, "Oh yeah, like this movie." Not only is this a Marvel movie, but it's a Disney movie, and it opens with too short. And I'm like, yo, this <laughs> movie is like this. This, and again, I, I think you're right, Tim. There's a reason this movie was made in 2018 because I don't think 
it could be made in this way 10 or 15 no. years earlier. Definitely. Uh, and particularly from the vision of Ryan Coogler, who, you know, is somebody who is still pretty early on in his directorial career. Uh, but Oakland permeates his work, whether you're talking about Fruitvale Station, which is a good movie, but I really don't need to watch it again because it's mm-hmm. it's a sensitive subject. Uh or uh, Creed, you know, the, like the first Creed mm-hmm. movie, like was really, really strong. And so I think he brings that to this and setting the movie in Oakland and casting Sterling K. Brown uh, as the father, like that already gives this movie like uh, a grounded but yet emotional uh, weight uh, to the story. Yeah, to talk, to talk, I was just looking for Kate now. It said I'm not going to do this, this is that stuff. Um, no, I, I like that too. And it's, it's honestly it was a little confusing at first, right? Is it, you're trying to piece together what the hell's going on. Like, mm-hmm. why are we in Oakland? Who's this? And then, um, yes, we realized that Jobu has been, uh, acting out of turn. And that the guy who thought was his buddy was really basically an mm-hmm. undercover condon warrior or, um, associate of Tachaka and rats him out immediately. <laughs> like, yeah, you're right. He's, he's doing bad things. Um, so that's it. His days in Wakanda are over. <laughs> All right, so go ahead, Tim. I'm just going to add that I I love how – I don't know how to put it – how just unself-conscious that entire scene is because it's something that could play very – as very just ridiculous, you know, in in the hands of like maybe a a less secure filmmaker or or just in the absence of already an established Marvel Cinematic Universe where we're sort of – used to this kind of context and, and tone, but um, they just throw you right into the thick of it, right? Where it's, mm-hmm. it's this, um, you've got this real deliberate styles clash um, and, and uh, worlds colliding in a lot of ways. And they're just like, yeah, this is what we're doing. This is what the movie is. So strap in. <laughs> like if, if you're not, if you're not going to be on board with this, then this could be a long two hours. <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought, you know, they did a good job at getting you immediately invested, I feel like. Mm-hmm. But they're not hand-holding either. It's, no, it's, they're it's not. A very, it's, it's a very unapolog- unapologetic film in being just what it is, right? Yeah. So. It's to that point, Tim, like the first, and we talked about it before we uh, hit that record button, like the first lines out of the movie, we hear a young boy saying, you know, tell me about Wakanda, Baba. And, you know, the father tells the kid about Wakanda. At first, I thought, because we're coming off of Civil War, this was T'Challa, remembering him mm-hmm. and his father having a conversation. Mm-hmm. And then right. we learn later that it's actually Killmonger talking to his father. And I think mm-hmm. that, like like you said, they're not holding your hand. Like, if you catch it, you catch it. If you catch it on rewatch, it's even better. But, yeah, like, little things like that, I think, show you Coogler is – He's still working within the framework of a Marvel film because they've got a they've got a style all of these movies, but he's kind of doing his own thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we go to Wakanda following um, T'Chaka's death, and uh, it is time for T'Challa to take the throne and become king. So they go grab up his girl, um, Nakia. <laughs> And um, she's undercover. I, I, I have a, like that character to me is like, are they saving her for something in the future? Because mm-hmm. she's in a weird spot in this movie, and 
I could really get like a like I liked her in this movie, but I was like, is this just a setup to like a future story that we're doing? Because I didn't feel like she was doing much in this movie. Mm. She's kind of like Keith Lee in AEW, like just waiting for something to happen. I guess I'm not. I can't like the main event scene is real crowded right now. Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. Keith, I'm gonna need you to just like squash some dudes and look intimidating and sound uh, cultured. On your promos, and and we'll we'll get we'll get back to you in a, in a couple couple of uh, episodes, and that's what they're doing here with Nakia because I don't think you cast uh, Lupita Nyong'o mm-hmm. just to be this. That's, that's what I thought the too. Character that we got in this movie. Yeah, because she's great. Like I liked her in, in everything I've seen her in, and then you know just just felt like a little odd spot for her. Um, so I, that. It's just not her time, I guess, is what you're saying. Like, uh, in the future, maybe she mm-hmm. can have a, a greater impact. But um, this is the T'Challa show, and then later the Killmonger show. But um, the, and the the Shuri show because she is my favorite character in this movie. Um, mm. His little sister. How surprising was she in this movie, Justin? Yeah, I think they do a good job too because it makes it like that she's just going to be like. <clears throat> the annoying little sister is it going to be like a jealousy thing? Um, but then as it develops, right, it's proven out to be that she's kind of the the brains and the soul of the whole operation. Um, you know, keeping everything afloat and is well worthy of potentially even being Black Panther at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's almost like you could argue the movie is almost about her as much as it is T'Challa. Mm-hmm. Um, when you look at like a character growth standpoint across the story itself um which is why like if that's the direction they end up going with uh chadwick's passing and they make a second black make the second black panther and if it you know transitions to her like i feel like it's not going to feel forced or mm-hmm. um, anything because it, it would have been natural like of course mm-hmm. she's potentially in the running because she really was kind of running the whole thing anyway i wouldn't be surprised if they went that way nate that's the way I always envisioned it. Now, granted, if you've been keeping up with the production of Black Panther mm-hmm. 2, there may be some real-world things that throw that theory into jeopardy. That's true. Uh, I, I hope not because, uh, as JT mentioned, like Letitia Wright was a breath of fresh air in this film. Like I don't think a lot mm-hmm. of people had seen her work before this, but her interactions with Chadwick and also uh, with uh, Martin were so mm-hmm. good and like she's smart but she's also like the comic relief in the film at a lot yeah. of points. uh so yeah i i hope things work out behind the scenes because that's the way i would go because uh, as tim knows like in the comics there are times where shuri actually becomes the black panther so you know it, it could work for me on the screen yeah certainly precedent for that on the page and i would agree that um shuri uh leticia writes Kind of threatens to steal the show well, <laughs> at multiple, multiple points throughout this movie. Just any time she's on screen, she she really shines, outshines um, her co-stars without even trying. Um, so, yeah, she, she's a very welcome presence in this movie. And I almost wonder if, um, you know, getting back to your question about uh, the character of Nakia, what, what is she really doing here? Um, she doesn't seem to have a whole lot to do. Um, yeah, I, I kind of question maybe what was more planned for her here and just, um, it, 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 let's face it, it is a pretty crowded movie in terms of these characters, mm-hmm. not just the number of, of characters we've, we've got, 
that we have to follow, but we have to introduce them at the same time. Like for the most part, other than um, the the titular character, we're seeing everybody like for the first time. And and I guess T'Chaka to a certain extent. Yeah, I I think it's just a jam packed movie. Um, it is sort of a loose origin story at the same time. I, it's weird because they they sort of go down this road of making it seem like uh, uh, T'Challa and Nakia have this, you know, kind of past romantic history. Mm-hmm. Like she's an old, they, they set her up as an old flame, right? Mm-hmm. And so they're almost doing this will they, won't they again thing, but he's not given another romantic rival throughout this movie. So I, I just think maybe they they had an eye towards, okay, further down the line. He's going to need a queen, right? I mean, that's, that's yeah. what was in the mind, yeah. Yeah, and, and where we're exploring, like, potential love interest for this character, we're talking, mm-hmm. like, Black Panther 2, Black Panther 3, which you got to mm-hmm. figure they're, they're already thinking 10 steps ahead, even in the making of this, um, just like with all of these movies. So let's at least just get her established, get her in the movie, even if um, she doesn't have, you know, the, the largest, the most significant presence or screen time, at least she's there and, you know, we, we can hit the ground running uh, in our sequel when we really need her to do the heavy lifting. Alas, seems like we're probably not going to have an opportunity to do that yeah. um, unless they switch course. But um, certainly nobody knew that in, in 2018. I guess that's the problem with long-term booking like that. <laughs> you know, it's like, we're going to set up this character, this, like Oscar. I mean, like she has an Oscar, didn't she? Didn't she win an Oscar? Some, she was up for it. All. Anyway, she's yeah. very good. And you're just like setting her up for like a future you know, prominent mm-hmm. role down the line. It's pretty impressive slash um, ballsy to do that. Mm-hmm. Maybe, but smart, I guess. Uh, and the other two characters I want to talk about here are um, Okoye, uh, who I will always call Michonne because she just is Michonne. <laughs> um, and she's fucking awesome in this because she just she's just she's just badass. She's just inherently badass there is something about this woman is she's so intimidating and beautiful and funny and like she is all of the things like why is she not Black Panther why is she not um, in control of of Wakanda because I would trust her with everything like she has so much credit with me she's incredible and then um, the queen um we get angela bassett oh wow uh, yep. talk about the queen yeah mama and i was like holy shit that is genius because it could mm-hmm. be like just anybody honestly it could be anybody but what she does in this movie adds like so much depth um mm. and unexpectedly because she's in it a, sort of a lot you know for very important character, I would say. Like y'all said, we have tons of people to get to in this movie, but she is one of the standouts for me, Nate. Yeah, I think Angela Bassett, like, always great in whatever she does and ages like fine wine mm. uh, mixed with vibranium. Uh, <laughs> wow. That's the Lord. answer right there. <laughs> she got that that heart-shaped herb, man. Um, <laughs> but I think, like, like you said, Jenny, the fact that this role, which could be a very minor role, along with uh, the role of Zuri, kind of like the King's Confidant, uh, mm-hmm. who's played by Forrest Whitaker. Like, those are two small roles, but they put such great actors in those roles 
that those characters feel three-dimensional when they could very easily be just like two-dimensional characters that you forget about halfway through the movie. Isn't that amazing, Tim? Yeah, yeah. Uh, on Angela Bassett, I'll just say I, she's a fucking national treasure. And, yes. Uh, I just – part of me was just so tickled, again, as, as just this longtime comics dork because I go back mm. <laughs> once more yep. – uh, to the 90s when everybody's doing their fan cast for X-Men movies and going, if Angela Bassett doesn't have Storm locked up, then oh. they shouldn't even fucking make this. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, it's one of those, I don't know, they kind of waited too long or had the, had the impression that they waited too long. So, nope, uh, Angela Bassett's out, Halle Berry is in. Um, look, I, I'm not going to sit here and insult Halle Berry, but... <laughs> Angela Bassett is right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Come on. Um, but to see her like still get a shot at, at one of these movies and still have um mm-hmm. so much just dignity and power behind this this performance to again, a character who, yes, it's it's T'Challa's mother, so um she's important like on in the sense of, of what she represents to him, but mm-hmm. to the viewers, it's like, no, nah, you figure she's not going to have a lot to do in this movie. Again, like many of our supporting characters, she is one of many, but Angela Bassett is going to stand out in a cast of thousands. So, uh, love seeing her here and yeah. Uh, Forrest Whitaker, huh? Um, Nate re- reminding me that I, um, how much I enjoyed just seeing Forrest Whitaker, like, this is going to sound like a backhanded compliment. But, <laughs> Where are you going with that? But just actually, like, acting again, because, I don't know, he mm. just, it seems like he always does this thing where he, when he's on, he's really on, and, and he's really good, um, yeah. even when he's playing, like, a really bad guy in some cases. But when he's bad, he's just, he is bad, like, <laughs> hilariously bad. Um, so I just, I, I, I love seeing him just putting in an effort, um, in, in a movie, in a role and, and getting something he could really sink his teeth into, um, for again, just sort of a minor character, but, um, well served. So I, I, I enjoyed his presence as well. Um, Michonne slash Okoye. Yeah. It's, it's impossible not to, to draw the comparison. I, I sort of agree. This is around the time where I'm jumping off the, the Walking Dead bandwagon. I'm probably, as a matter of fact, by 2018, I'm I'm probably pretty well off. Uh, uh, this like a year out, I would say. Whenever they brought that in, that's right. Yeah. And it's just like you know, it, she's so good in that. She's one of the few characters that you still like through it all. You're like still pulling for, and mm-hmm. you're like, man, I just I can't do it anymore. But all right, here's almost a redemption, you know, where it's not the same character, but it's it's uh, it, it's the same performer in a, a similar sort of role, and you're like, all right, we're back. So, yeah, love her um, throughout the movie, and she just, I don't know, her some of her quips and, and yes. just uh, you know that side eye that she gives mm-hmm. <laughs> pretty much anyone. It's just so mm-hmm. cutting. <laughs> she just has, you know. Just, Justin, do you feel like she could just take brutal. anybody in Wakanda? Like she just beat yeah. anybody, like regardless. <laughs> like she has no. Well, they do a good job. It's like they don't even make Wakanda just look amazing place to live, but like the forces and the 
like everything about it just looks strong, mm. right? Like all of everything. Not, there's no weak point. Um, <clears throat> besides maybe T'Challa's lack of confidence, right? Through some of this, but beyond that, like everything, <laughs> um, it, yeah, it's just really well developed and confident, and they're all presented as such. And Angela Bassett is great, and she was also great as Biggie's mom in Notorious. Mm. Oh yeah. Yes. Real quick off of JT's point, because I I feel like I'm going to. I'm going to do that old politician trick, Tim Capel, of heading off a negative by accentuating the positive about a thing. Uh, yep. Because for all of, like, my one big flaw, and I'll spoil it right now, is that third act CG. Mm, okay. But, all right. But all right. the you, way you, Wakanda you looks, like, I think the way Wakanda looks, if, if, if that was the decision they were making with the budget, like, do we want this city, this, I mean, this country to look as good as it can? Or do we want to get that third act CG right if they had to make a choice? And I'm not saying that's the paper that Feige laid on the table. I think they made the right call because if we don't buy Wakanda, then it doesn't matter what it looks like in the third act. Because we're spending so much time in this country. Yeah, that's – you know what? I was giving some thought to that exact same point uh, just before we hopped on this podcast because I was wondering, how am I going to talk about (laughs) that third act? Really? Yeah. <laughs> and, um, I mean, we'll get there, but uh, yeah, it's it's one of those. I, I kind of has, have issues with the CGI throughout the movie at, at yeah. various points. Mm-hmm. None of it more pronounced than in really that that climax. But I think what it comes down to is, and and where I've sort of arrived is is real similar to you, Nate. It's like it's used in ways that I I think it's deliberately stylistic and mm-hmm. to differentiate this movie and just the entire world and setting of Wakanda apart from previous films in the MCU. And, and I think that works very effectively, even if it is still mm-hmm. at times a little bit like it kind of hits you sideways where you're just like, yeah, what am I looking at exactly? But it, but it works for the most part with when it's used to, to establish, you know, setting in tone and just do that world building. Um, like we go from that great end, scene in Korea to PlayStation three graphics by the end of the movie. <laughs> right. And that, come and that's come on, Feige. Kinda, that's where I think it kind of falls down. And you know, part of that, I, I just wonder, you know, that, that third act, that uh, climactic, mm-hmm. you know, fight between the, the, the dueling black Panthers, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's a bit, formulaic uh just the whole i don't know pomp and especially in the mcu like yeah fighting the the opposite of myself yeah yeah yeah. right right it's oh we're not so different you and i kind of thing Mm -hmm. and (laughs) which we're so sick of hearing right and so in a movie that has otherwise been cut from a very different cloth that's the Mm -hmm. one where it's like yeah okay back to the drawing board sort of part of it and so it makes me think that that is the one aspect of this movie that Ryan Cooler just was not the most invested in, right? Not right. just the fact that it's formulaic, but I also don't think he necessarily fundamentally believes in the idea of these two characters coming to blow like this. Mm-hmm. Um, while at the same time sort of conceding, well, that's that's kind of what these movies all come down to to a certain mm-hmm. to a certain point um i have for the most part been able to have my cake and eat it throughout the making of this film if that's the one 
quote unquote studio note, fine, here it is. Mm-hmm. Um, here you go. And it, it it's just I, I think he kinda wanted to wash his hands of it. Not not to say he wanted to wash his hands of the movie, but it's just kinda like, all right, just bare minimum here. Like you said, Nate, we will spend our money elsewhere and this mm-hmm. this is just you get what you get. It's it's the least interesting component of this film, so it might as well show. <laughs> huh. Okay. Um That's my theory. Anyway. Okay. Well that's that that is deep, honestly. <laughs> I mean, I don't disagree, but I would have never come to that by myself, probably. But um, a little refrigerator logic, a little bit. Yeah, that's yeah. my new head cannon. Thank you, Tim. Yeah, I guess so. And that's um, not backed. That's not based on any interview. I, I, you know, there may be some interview out there that completely contradicts all that. Where Ryan Coogler says, "I was so tremendously disappointed because I poured my heart and soul into that right, right. climactic fight." I fought for those you rhinos. I said, no rhinos, no movies. Mea culpa. I don't know what to say. Like, <laughs> We're all just fans here. I I feel like um, Wakanda looks best when they try to merge um, their culture, their tribal culture, and the technology hmm. together, um, which they try to do in the, in the scene where um, Mbatu uh, challenges him. For the mm. for the kingship, I guess. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, so because they have the whole like they're like in the some body of water, and then they just like hit some sort of button, and it makes this whole arena like erupt out of the the bottom of the ocean or some shit. Mm-hmm. Like it went it went crazy. Um, but it looks cool because they're all like tiered up on the rocks. Everybody is um, watching. Mm-hmm. The fight that has to go down between these two. Um, pretty cool fight scene. I like the setting. Uh, it's a good fight. And then, you know, T'Challa just looks noble and kingly when he persuades him to give up instead of having to kill him, basically. Yeah, it's a good showcase scene because just that battle in the water, the waterfall and all that looks awesome. And it also sets up Mbaku for later um, by letting him live and showing the respect from T'Challa, like, obviously comes comes back around at the end of the movie. Um, <clears throat> he ends up being one of my favorite characters. I think he's, he's really good in it. And he's funny later, too, with the we're vegetarians yeah. line. Um, you know, and, and his tribe, of always avoiding the technology is established. So, no, I thought, I thought it was a good scene. Like, and it showcases, like, a, you know, the fight. And I liked it, too, because... And I think I brought this up before, like the MCU is so loaded, and I guess it's just a, I guess it's just a sub-thread of Tony Stark being so heavily involved, but like, everyone's got all this tech, right? Like, even in this, like, the Black Panther suit is so teched up, the car that they're driving, you know, that's being driven from the headquarters, like, like later, and like, everything is so mecha-tech across the board, across the whole MCU, right down to, you know, Spider-Man, the first couple of Spider-Mans, mm-hmm. that it's cool to see him just fighting, <laughs> like, like these two warriors fighting and, you know, using their powering strength, um, but not, like, being all teched up, that, like we see, which is just a constant threat of all of these. Yeah, yeah, like, even with the tech-forward society that they are, they have the most mm-hmm. advanced, and this is mm-hmm. what they decide to do, you know, yep. it is interesting. 
Well, and, you know, I don't have, like, a huge, like, you know, we all know, a huge background in the comics, but, you know, I started with the, the Netflix shows, right? And, like, those are the opposite of this with the tech, right? They're grittier, they're fighting, and, you know, they're superheroes, but they're not. Now available like, on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> yeah. They're not souped up, right? Like, with mm-hmm. all kinds of, so I think I just kind of came up on those, and then, mm. so, like, all of a sudden jumping into this world where everyone's got these suits and, you know, all these weapons, you know, it's just. It was way more than I expected it to be. So this almost felt like just an old school battle without all of that involved. It makes sense. And it's in keeping with what Wakanda is at the mm-hmm. same time and, and sort of thinking and talking through it. Like uh, vibranium is a natural resource to native to Wakanda, basically. I mean, yes, it comes from, again, space. It's a meteor deposit, mm-hmm. whatever. But it's only found in Wakanda. And we talked about how it's it's sort of been incorporated into just the natural splendors of the land well of course we're going to see that reflected in their technology and and how they utilize um the vibranium where it's it's yeah it's this natural resource but it's also this very sophisticated sleek futuristic technology um when it's when it's harvested and, and cultivated in the right way and that just sort of permeates just there, there's a uh, there's the natural world of Wakanda and how all of it is so infused with with again this this futuristic uh, tech that you can't really separate one from the other at this mm-hmm. point. They are just so intertwined, um, mm-hmm. and and I think that again just it is part of speaks to the beauty of how this uh, this film this this cast of characters this environment is so set apart and differentiated from uh its predecessors uh this is you know if in i I don't want to sort of overstate it i guess but this this movie and thinking about what uh superhero films kind of represent to society and to the culture and and how they're they're, you know there there are modern myths these superhero tales right and Black Panther and Wakanda, by by extension, is, you know, if, if they're presenting it as this kind of black power fantasy in the way that um, Spider-Man and Batman are like adolescent power fantasies, um, or Superman and, and Captain America are sort of these immigrant power fantasies, mm-hmm. it's just very fitting that, that we're, we're getting to see that explored throughout different cultures, and it's not just the same you know, the same take on, on a, basically a white guy getting superpowers over and over and over. Like, yeah, there's, there's different, there's different ways you can present that, but after, after enough cycles, it's sort of like, all right, can we, you know, (laughs) look at maybe some, some, uh, you know, diverse representations within this because superhero myths, again, don't have to be just this one thing. So I just I just love how all of that is reflected um, through this and, and the technology and you know the world and how it, they make it very clear like this is this is far more advanced than any other nation on the planet and yet um, that's what's going to serve as the conflict of this this movie you know they're not really willing to share the wealth and it's sort of like mm-hmm. well why should they be. <laughs> Yeah, That's so if, I, if, yeah. if I'm following like what I, what I'll now heretofore refer to Jenny as the capo theory, 
in in which Ryan Coogler had to had to go through a series of bargains and give and takes with the studio. Uh, I think so much of this film was a deliberate choice, except for the rhinos. Uh, and, and and it goes like except for the rhinos. It goes directly to what Tim is talking about here. Like I feel like the choice to have uh, Ruth Carter, who is the costume designer, who worked on uh, Amistad and. Uh, Malcolm X, and she worked on the the new Coming to America, uh, which was okay. Uh, but like the the way that we kind of blend this futuristic stuff with this traditional uh, African stuff, like down to the dialects, which were researched mm-hmm. from dialects around the region, like down to the fact you know we haven't talked about them that much yet. But when we get Killmonger, and we have what on its surface is a hero and a villain, but underneath that is a discussion about the African diaspora and, you know, what is the responsibility of, of these nations? And, and it's like a lot of meat on this bone. Mm-hmm. And I think the thing I like about it, Tim, it would have been very easy for this to be either too shallow with some of this stuff or too, mm-hmm. way too heavy. And mm-hmm. I think they found kind of the perfect tightrope line to walk where if you just want to kind of enjoy this as a superhero film, like there's, there's a lot of stuff for you. But if right. you if you want to get deeper with some of the themes and some of the ideas Kugler's kind kind of trying to present, it opens up a lot more resonance uh, for the film. At least it did for me. Yeah, and I mean it's probably obvious at this point. I like doing that stuff, even if it's not immediately apparent to me. Even if it's maybe contradicted by the reality things people have said. Um, hey, there, there's a reason we have this headcanon, right? It's mm-hmm. it's fun to explore. Well, speaking of Killmonger, um, we get a look at him um, as he is in London, and he is um, showing off a little bit at this museum. Um, it's a great scene. Um, it, you know, we don't we don't really know who this guy is. We don't know mm-hmm. how he knows all this stuff, but he comes in here spouting all this stuff at the museum, and uh, turns out it's a heist. Uh, so. They're going to steal – what do they end up stealing uh, out of that museum? Uh, him and uh, Claw. Uh, some right. uh, artifacts, right? Yeah. Some, uh, yeah which... They are infused with vibranium. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yep. All right, because mm-hmm. they're from Wakanda. So, and then he uh, steals a mask just because it looks dope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty clever. They do like a little poisoning thing in here mm-hmm. too. I don't know. It's, it's, uh, it's like a little – it's like they're playing James Bond villains or something. You know, we're in London, we're in a museum, like, and then, uh, you know, we're trying to get these these artifacts, and then Claw comes in there just fucking aping a China shop and just, you know, just wrecking shit. Um, Andy Serkis, I think, is pretty fucking great in this movie. Uh, He's like a, a cracked up Conor McGregor all through this thing, just yeah, like. Yeah. <laughs> Out of his fucking mind, strutting around, loud, boisterous, you know. Because there, I mean, when we meet Killmonger and we find out all of his motivations for all, all of his um, actions, there, there's some sympathy in there. Claw, there's you don't feel shit for this guy. Like, he is a pure villain, Nate. Yeah, Andy Serkis kills it, man. Like, he, yeah. he, I know this is not a DC movie. But this has got to be at least one of my top three portrayals of the Joker on screen. Because that's, that's all this man is doing. He's doing MCU Joker out here. Uh, 
but I, I love the introduction of Killmonger and like Michael B. Jordan is a star. And mm-hmm. this is no disrespect to Chadwick, but I feel like you needed someone with that kind of charisma to balance like the stoicism mm. that T'Challa brought to the table because otherwise it's like, why would the people in Wakanda follow this dude? You right. know, and so I like Michael B. Jordan in this film. I love uh the relationship between him and Andy Circus where you know, at this point, we think they're they're in cahoots. They're they're they they've got this great thing going, but but uh, swerve alert, Tim Capel, and and it's like something that is just great about their relationship because the whole time Michael B. Jordan's ten steps ahead of this dude, and he doesn't even know it. Oh, fully, and and uh, the Killmonger character is sort of breaking with uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> the MCU tradition of having kind of crappy throwaway villains. Let's face it. Um, I, I think it is really in this phase, like from phase three on, where they kind of round that corner and get mm-hmm. get better about their their villains from this point on. Um, not all of them hit, but this this certainly is, you know, like a, a top five, top three quote-unquote villainous performance in an MCU film where it's like, yeah, he's the antagonist, uh, certainly, but he they also take strides to make sure that, that he has a, a very sympathetic uh, point of view. Um, he has done terrible things, yes. He's, you know, killed these um, civilians who are, you know, basically just like museum workers or whatever. That's not very... Um, admirable or, or noble, but at the but same time... in his time, mind, it's justified, right? I mean, that's... In his mind, it's justified. Payback, it, yeah. And it, it's it's just sort of, um, I don't know, square in that scorecard uh, because he, he just thinks that um, he is right. He has a point. He does have a point to a certain extent. Uh, and he may be doing wrong things, but mm-hmm. is doing them for perhaps the right reason at the end of the day, and we're going to see how that comes into conflict with T'Challa, who, again, is, you know, so driven by nobility, which uh, is, is maybe, and, and just um, tradition, um, and, and it's it's maybe not uh, the most admirable in, in comparison to, you know, who we're going to find out is, is his cousin and Eric Killmonger. Yeah, I, and I like the point, too, that Claw's there to serve as, like, the true villain, because... Yeah, just the... You know, there is gray in Killmonger, like you're saying, Tim, right? And, and it's like, there's this gray area um, where, you know, he was, like, just a kid that got left behind that mm-hmm. sees the right heir to this, and he had a... This was the means to the end to get to this chance, right? To, to send the flare up, use Claw as a puppet to get the attention of Wakanda, so he could get his way in and then make his point. So you, know, you could see the world from his point of view, whereas Claw's just, and as we saw in you know, previous installments of the MCU, he's, he's just a typical bad guy who wants to make money and rule the world. Um, and that gets ended quickly here. But uh, I did enjoy him. And, you know, the, yeah, it, it was interesting the way they went about it. And so in the meantime, we have um... – T'Challa, who is taking the uh, herb to – he's taking the herb, y'all, right, to um, – Drinking that purple drink. He is. Mm-hmm. So they're, like, preparing it, and the, um, yeah, they bury him in, like, this red clay stuff, and then he wakes up on the set of The Lion King because um, <laughs> it's an animated movie now. Um, and then there's a Simba. lot of stuff 
going on with him. No disrespect to the actors that played T'Chaka, but now I want James Earl Jones (laughs) as T'Chaka. I swear, as soon as they, like, do the little whatever they want to call it, this out-of-body, whatever, (laughs) metaphysical thing um it just looks like the lion king and mm-hmm. i don't i don't hate it i, I kind of like mm-hmm. it it's pretty i like it so um and you know he's still having a lot of grief issues about his daddy and so he ends up talking to his daddy who shows up and um tries to uh, i don't it's a pep talk i guess circle but, of life that's what he gives him tell simba was up nate you are a good man, and it is very hard for a good man to be king. And and that's what's great about this movie, because it reads different on that second watch. Because on the first watch, you like you just feel like that's a line of fathers. You know, he's trying to hype up his son or whatever. Mm. On the second watch, you're like, mm, yes, we we know it's hard for a, a, a good man to be a king. Tachaka out here leaving these kids, probably probably being a whore mongrel on these Wakanda mm. streets. What else? <laughs> embezzling the funds what else are you doing t'chaka <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I, I love these scenes on the like we get uh three of them in, in the film on the ancestral plane uh we get this one we get uh one with killmonger later and then we get another mm-hmm. one with uh, t'challa in the end and i i do think you know something tim said earlier just kind of the stylistic choice yes it is evocative of the lion king but i like the way like all the previous kings are shown as like these panthers and then they kind of morph into uh, the, the, the the real human form, uh, shades of Michael Jackson's black or white video. If you know, you know. Uh, but I, I really like this first talk, but I think I like the second talk between T'Challa and T'Chaka even better because in that one, T'Challa has, like, all the information on the table. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, with a panther being a cat, they were going to say the opposite attracts video, Nate, with the cat talking. <laughs> oh, my God. So that so so okay okay so let's, so MC Scat Cat goes to the ancestral plane, <laughs> meets Paula Abdul. What, what what should I do, Paula? Where should I go? You must take two steps forward, and then and then take two steps back. Listen, um, so when they go to, to hunt down Claw and uh, – I mean, so the good thing is, too, is, like, the way they present Killmonger in these early scenes doesn't feel like he um, is, like, a main villain, right? He almost feels like a sidekick. Even though he's cool and, like, he gives off a vibe, he just feels like a guy that's just kind of with Claw. Mm-hmm. It's not until yeah. the big scene post-lockup is when mm-hmm. you're like, oh, shit, we're on. But before that, so they chase him down to, what? This is South Korea? South Korea. Korea. Yes. yes. In my um, favorite scenes of the movie. This is so Oh, yeah, with the K-pop playing and all this oh, other stuff. Like, it was just a cool vibe in the casino. Um, we meet, though, CIA agent Everett Ross. And this is where I got confused. So maybe it's the Vince McMahon to me. But why do we need another Ross? Like, are, we already, <laughs> are they related? Like, there's not another last name we can use for this guy. What if his name was Ross Everett instead of Everett Ross? Like, mm, that mm, would have been see. perfectly fine. Like. It was confusing to me that we have another Ross in a position of power. I this is where um, it didn't bother me, but going back to something I said earlier about how the the movies will often do what what the comics will not, and and condense these sort of like mm-hmm. and and redundant concepts and similar things. Um, and, and I wish they had they had done that here, even even through a throwaway line of of having. Um, 
ever K Ross maybe mentioned that like his I don't know, like his his cousin or or, or some uncle or something uncle, yeah. distant relative is like the mm-hmm. Secretary of State or something. Just I don't know. It's just weird. to get people yeah. over the coincidence of them because it is purely just a coincidence. They're characters that were introduced decades apart in the comics. Um so it, it just yeah, of course there's there's gonna be some overlap and over and, and reusage of common names um in, you know, print media that's been around for seemingly a hundred years. Uh but you know, here it's like, all right, well we've and it wasn't it wasn't even all too long ago that we saw like um they were in the same they were both in uh Captain America Civil War, yep. weren't they? Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that was that was sort of like for them to both be on screen in the same film, it just seemed like just just put a throwaway line in there so that people aren't asking that question. Right. Or so, yeah, no relation. You know, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's just weird. Uh, but that leads into the the Fast and the Furious tribute car chase, uh yes. which is an amazing scene. And I thought it was like a nice harken to the last time we saw it T'Challa in one of these movies was the, the motorcycle chase mm-hmm. scene with Winter Soldier, which was also awesome. So, like, it was kind of a cool thread to that. Yeah, but yeah, the movie sort is... Sort of one-ups that scene, too. Mm. Wow. Yeah. yeah, and the we only fight. had, like, the little high scene, and we had the fight scene, so there's not mm-hmm. been a lot of action um, thus far. So, to me, this whole club scene and where Claw is trying to sell the artifact to you. Uh, Everett... Uh, all of that is just sort of still in that bond <laughs> feeling a little yeah. bit, um, and I like it. And we we needed something to show off some more cool tech, which we do, and to have more Shuri, <laughs> which we do. Yeah, to you know, to again cite the uh, cable theory, like this is the action scene, the set piece that Coogler was invested in. Because from the very beginning of the uh, casino scene where we get Claude trying to pedal his mixtape, which they missed an opportunity, really, to put out an Andy Circus track in the wake of this film. Like, I think people would have dug that. Uh, but we get, like, almost – like, I know there's a cut somewhere in that shot, but we get what gives off the illusion of a one-take shot all around the casino of everybody fighting. Mm-hmm. And then we get that great scene that – they ran in the trailers a million times to get people into the theaters where T'Challa like runs up the side of a building and flips off and then comes back and cuts the tire on the car. Uh, so like, to me, this is like where you can see the action at, uh, and, and also in those intimate scenes, like at the waterfall, I think those are your big action beats. And then the third act is just kind of perfunctory. Maybe is the word I would use Tim. Like we got to do it because we got to do it. Uh, but I really enjoyed the stuff in soul. I'm a big fan of the usage of the word perfunctory. It's, it's not necessarily the practice. So I'll, yeah, I'll back you up on that. Oh uh, yeah. The, I remember they, this was the scene that they showed before you'd really seen much footage from the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, wasn't it at the, um, I don't know, probably 2017 San Diego comic-con where it was just a, a real, showstopper where they showed at least the opening the kind of opening salvo from the the uh casino fight in seoul and um talk about a crowd pleaser i mean i just remember people lost their shit and just the desperate 
race to to find the footage that you know was uploaded to YouTube before it would get taken down because <laughs> it's it's supposed to be con exclusive and isn't officially released and just man it was it was a real frenzy real pandemonium around this just hearing about it um and picturing it in your head and uh you know find and finally seeing it and and realizing it you know kind of lived up to the hype uh pretty damn awesome San Diego Comic Con, wife of Scott Con. <laughs> yes, wife of Scott. <laughs> it's not often in a chase scene, like a, a car scene, that the cars will just explode into all of their pieces. Mm. Like, oh, <laughs> fucking, it was amazing. Um, and then this is a another good chance to see Black Panther in action because. Previously, like, we did the whole, like, um, lab scene with him and Shuri where she's like, I made this for you, like, the mm-hmm. cue scene. And, um, like, this is all the cool shit that you have now. Um, so seeing him using that stuff in, in the scene was pretty awesome. Yeah, and we do get, like, a, a great little comedy beat at the end where, like, as you mentioned, these cars just explode and we have uh, Nakia rolling up in, like, the, the bare bone skeleton. I love it. It used yes. to be a car. Awesome. And it's yeah. a great kind of end point to this thing. So they capture Claw, and um, so they have Everett, with, Everett Ross with them. And um, they take Claw's arm, his uh, fake arm, away from him, yeah. which I kind of mm-hmm. like that. His cannon. His yeah. cannon arm. <laughs> his cannon arm. His arm cannon, whatever you want to call it. So they basically are just um, going to – well – they kind of inadvertently end up teaming with the CIA here with mm-hmm. through Everett because he gets injured in in the fight scene here, and they have to take him back to Wakanda to fix him. What do we think about Martin Freeman in this movie, Tim? Well, I, I'm certainly a big fan of Martin Freeman. I think he looks the part of, of the character, and he um, kind of plays the part pretty well, mm-hmm. too. He's not quite as surly as, as the... Mm-hmm. Everett K. Ross, I remember from from the Priest comics, but it's also not really about him. So I, I think it works that they they tone him down a little personality wise. I mean, he's still he, he still gets his his quips in certainly, and um, I mean well, he's injured. Go ahead. I, I like too that he's like um he's just there and respecting their world and just like in awe of being part of it because it would have been easy to make this character like critical and calling out their bullshit. And Oh, once this is done, you're in trouble, right? Like it would have been easy to do that, yeah. but, oh yeah, but they don't, right. He's like almost deferential because he knows mm. he's, he's almost like another planet, right? He's like another species mm-hmm. in a way with all the tech and the, um, the power and everything else that they built and, and recluse off in the world. So he's being respectful of that culture and adapting to it versus like being the odd duck that doesn't fit in, right? Like he's he's trying to to understand it and show reverence to it, which I like because it, again, it would have been easy for that character to just be like critical and a douche about it. Yeah, and I, I like the Ross from the comics. Like Tim said, this is a different spin on it, but Martin does a great job with it, and I feel like. In a in the hands of a lesser director, we would either get like the hard ass government agent, mm-hmm. or or even worse, we'd get like the last samurai syndrome, where like this outside uh, random white dude 
comes to a culture right. that isn't his and masters it in a week. And it's like, nah, we, we're not doing this on Ryan Coogler's watch, buddy. <laughs> and he's also injured in the service of uh, protecting yep. mm-hmm. the key. I mean, he takes a bullet for it. So even though it's very controversial amongst the, the Wakandans that they're, you know, basically taking him into um, – this is, I mean, kind of a violation of, of a lot of, you know, their – operate their standard operating procedure here and uh it's like well i mean he he did step up to the plate in a big way so it's not like we owe him but i mean we kind of owe him and we can Mm -hmm. save him it's just after that it's sort of on him what he does with this like the there but for the the grace of wakanda this guy (laughs) has lived um and yeah i i like that there's a little bit of dissension amongst them i mean yeah sure he uh, has the you know the broken white boy line, but um there, there's some genuine which is funny. I mean you, you know you it's a genuinely funny line, but there's some tension behind it too, where it's like mm-hmm. hey you know we've kind of got bigger fish to fry just like we do every day, and you know tough shit. Like he he took one for the team. Well, <laughs> there's you know one of many down. I guess like <laughs> I also like too how in all this like. Sokovia has obviously been a huge part of all this, right? It's kind of the the big moment in, in not only just you know, Ultron, but everything that's come after it, right? Civil War, um, you know, Wanda, like the power that she gained out of that, like just all this stuff, right? That's been like the center point. So that being like the Archduke Ferdinand moment for the MCU for everything is like pretty cool, right? Like, I mean, it really was, right? It was like the powder keg. Good. It is. All, it, it very much so is. Much yeah. What a pull. What a pull. Well, no, I like that, that comparison because it's like people look at World War One and it's like, eh, whatever. Like, it's like <laughs> World War Two is the main thing when it comes to world history. I mean, nobody's talking there's no World War One enthusiasm. World War One's on the pre-show. <laughs> and look, you know, age, yeah, that's that's a fucking pre-show and a half, right? So, which is such a dismissive, anyway. Um, point being, point being, you guys, point being, Nate Milton, is that uh, Avengers: Age of Ultron is like nobody's favorite MCU movie. It's it's sort of yeah. held in the same regard as World War One. <laughs> nobody, it is. Nobody likes no, but it very it, yeah. much. Nobody's, nobody's very excited. Nobody gets loved up about it. But it. It's, it's super Art important. Dad. It's super important. It and all these It's the catalyst for, like, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, what really kicks off the threaded MCU. Before, it, it's there, but not really. It's Ultron that starts, like, yeah. now everything comes together, and everything plays off that, that destruction of Sokovia. Like, spins off so much to this, even to this, right, where now, like, because of that is where T'Chaka ends up dying when they do the, you know, try and do all the different accords, but also mm-hmm. leads to them having to decide, like, are they going to open up and lead the world and share their secrets or stay walled off? Like, it all it all goes back to that constantly. What would y'all do? Uh, as far as the Ross situation? Yeah, would you, I mean, save them or just be like, sorry? You could just save them because what, what I, I mean. I think I'd save them and send them on his way. Yeah, you know, right. as much as possible. Like, as maybe, what's he gonna do? Yeah. Well, he is keep, a, keep him in a medically induced coma. Operative, so you know yeah. he would. Well, if he if you fix him and he's an asshole, then you just kill him. <laughs> Whatever. Like, well, true. You know, I mean, like, at least. I mean, he's probably smart enough to you know 
be on his merry way after that, but... Yeah, I, I think I fixed him and keep him in a medically induced coma. I mean... Just, yep. just ship him back to America with back. a bill. Uh-huh. Don't they have memory wipers in Wakanda now? Can't you just, like, you come in think. and black them? You know, just, you like, think. buzz them. And well, they don't really get the chance because everything blows up. They and don't. Then by the time they have to send them home, they've decided they're going to open it up. Yeah, that's true. Um. All right, so... Eric what's next? shows up in Wakanda. Yes, yes, he brings he, he kills Claw, um, mm-hmm. and uh, and his girlfriend and slash his girlfriend. associate yeah. that we barely spend any time with. Yes, <laughs> but, uh, just seemed like he was annoyed with her. So yeah, um, I but I like like again I like the killing of Claw because it was a good red herring because you assume he's going to mm-hmm. be the the main. Like mm-hmm. I think at that point you can even see a world where, all right, Killmonger is going to work with Claw, Claw's going to like, piss him off, and he's going to work with T'Challa to take down Claw, right? Like, right. that's a potential path that's kind of gone, where they end up together as, you know, cousins or whatever, in Wakanda, and they take down Claw together, and, like, that's how the movie ends. And mm-hmm. given what happened to Chadwick Boseman, you wonder if they wish they went that route, <laughs> um, instead of how things go, Michael B. Jordan, but... um Plus, Claw has the cred of of appearing in the previous film, the the Archduke Ferdinand does the MCU. (laughs) (laughs) I almost said Archduke uh, Franz Ferdinand. Uh, (laughs) I bet he's got a mistake. Yeah, yeah, totally. So um, you figure, right, they set him up in Age of Ultron, so if if he's going to be like a a continuing, a recurring presence throughout the MCU, then he must be, like, the big bad of this movie, right? I mean, mm-hmm. and even in the comics, as, as much as Black Panther traditionally has had, uh, like, a, a, an arch enemy, I, I guess it's kind of been Claw. It's probably changed in mm-hmm. recent years, but... Listen, I'm going to bring it up again. I'm going to blow your mind. Yeah, and you really did. Franz Ferdinand had a song named Ulysses. Ulysses. No. Ulysses <laughs> no. It's all connected. Oh, my Jesus. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I'm going to listen to it. That, well, there's our outro. Yep. <laughs> Remind me. That would be probably a disservice Take to me. Meow is also their big song, obviously, which kind of fits with this as well. So there yeah. you go. <laughs> <laughs> By the time we're done, yeah. Yep. Soon as soon as uh, the girl Killmonger's girlfriend saw the gun, she's like, "I know I won't be leaving here with you." <laughs> nope. Um. So <laughs> this is when. Head jokes, folks. <laughs> <laughs> <We're at. sighs> so this is when T'Challa finds out the truth. Like, who is this guy? What the fuck? Really? And goes talk talks to his daddy's bestie, and um, he's like, gives him. Tells them basically what's up and what happened. They find out Killmonger's sort of background, how he was a Navy SEAL, mm-hmm. and he every time he killed somebody, he marked himself, and mm-hmm. now he has scales all over him, Nate. Yes, which was also just a convenient excuse for Michael B. Jordan to walk around shirtless for a portion well, of Well, you know, I, mm-hmm. I'm fine with that. Me too. I mean, scales we, and all. Yeah. Yes, we, we 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 know what the people want. Uh, but yeah, I like I like how intricate Eric's plot was, where he's like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm going to use Claw to a certain extent, but I know he's the bargaining chip that gets me back into Wakanda, and right. he takes advantage of the most vulnerable Wakandan, I guess, who is a uh, Wakabi, played by Daniel Kaluuya, who's mad that T'Challa didn't bring Claw back, and 
Killmonger just drops the dead claw body bag on the uh, outskirts of Wakanda, and that's how he gets in. And mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, the, I think Tim's right with what he said about the villains in this phase, uh, you know, because I'm going back to even uh, with uh, Homecoming. Like, I thought Michael Keaton's Vulture mm-hmm. oh, yeah. was a step up from, from oh, your typical fuck, MCU yeah. villain. Uh, and I think Killmonger just, you know, takes that and ramps it up where he's so calculating. He's he's principled. In a, and again, Marvel does the, the mirror thing with the heroes and villains a lot. <laughs> but he's principled in the same way T'Challa is. It's just his principle is coming from a place of anger and hurt and hate where T'Challa's is presumably coming from one of love. That's the yeah, I think. Well, yeah, well said. Um, but it's it's the MCU showing us we know how to do a sympathetic, mm-hmm. complex, layered mm-hmm. villain. And I, I always hesitate to even call him a villain, even though he does mm-hmm. very terrible villainous things. Uh, they, they just do a great job with that throughout this movie. Um, the scales certainly are an interesting touch, Jenny. Uh, I love how you, um, you know, didn't, I mean, didn't let that one I forget hang out there too long. Them, you know, I don't know. This is what it looks like. Right. Crocodilian. Right, <laughs> um, we're really trying to Here's take over the world. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there, it just, it, tells you there there is a there is a story behind everything to this mm-hmm. to this guy mm-hmm. Nate and that is um a, a lot of it i think goes unsaid at the end of the day but just speaks to uh what a layered character this is and um you know we we spent a bit more time with the character outside of just this movie like they did he, he made a couple of appearances in what if i don't know if mm-hmm. um we all watch that necessarily, but it just goes to show like this is a, a very versatile character who you can use in a lot of different settings and contexts. And I kind of hope we, we continue to see more of that, even if he isn't going to, um, you know, continue to make appearances as a, as a uh, living mm-hmm. character necessarily. And the challenge, so he, you know, he challenges to the throne because he feels it's his rightful, place as well and you know i know nate will appreciate this but to bring it back to rocky like this felt like rocky three to me <laughs> like he felt like clever <laughs> lang like prepared focused he's waited his whole life for this and t'challa's kind of gotten a little soft like he can still mm. go but he's a little soft and even right down to killing mickey right <laughs> we can't kill walker <laughs> you know so it's like it just felt so you know, and obviously the Creed thing's right there for it, but it's, it felt very Rocky three to me. Just like this one guy who was so hungry for this that took no mm-hmm. second of it for granted and knew this was his chance. Just like Clever Lang against Rocky, who had gotten super soft by Rocky three, um, you know, making movies and all this other stuff, charity fights. Uh, it was a, it was just such a cool scene the way they did it because, again, they could have had. T'Challa just win the fight or made it Killmonger cheat. You know what I mean? But like he just destroyed him because he was just prepared. He was just more prepared for it than T'Challa was, who was shook kind of by everything going on. Yeah, to- total squash match here, Jenny. Uh, like yeah. I think that a couple things I found in this scene that were interesting, uh, you know, because I've, I've watched this a bunch of times. So like the fight itself is great, but I think 
when you look at the weapons, like Killmonger's got two swords and T'Challa's mm-hmm. got a sword and a shield. And it just goes like Killmonger ain't worried about defense. He, he's here to right. kill his man. Uh, and I think, you know, the part about uh, Zuri that JT brings up, like, it's one of the lines in the movie that nobody pays attention to because it's just one line. But it always strikes a chord with me because it speaks to the hurt that Eric has when Zuri's like, you know, kill me instead. And he's like, okay, you can get it too, Uncle James. The fact yeah. he calls him <laughs> Uncle James with, like, that emphasis on Uncle James, like, He's still like he's this grown ass man with all these kill marks on his body, but there's a part of him, and we'll see it when he goes to the ancestral plane that is still kind of trapped in this mindset of that kid that was left behind. Abandonment issues. Am I right? Well, still very arrested in his development through no fault of his own. Mm-hmm. Yes. And denied all of the wonders of technology of Wakanda as well, mm-hmm. not even. Just his family and, you know, a chance at the throne, you know, everything about his life. Um, oh, speaking of family, Jennifer Smith, we we over we zipped over the best line in the movie, perhaps when uh, he first comes into the throne room and he's like, you know, ask who I am. Ask me, ask me for my name. And, you know, nobody's going to tell him. And then uh, finally, uh, Wakabi's like, who are you? Because he's totally on Team Killmonger now. Yeah. Uh, he's got the T-shirt. And uh, <laughs> Killmonger is like, you know, my name is Unjaka. I'm the son of Unjobu. Uh, T'Chaka killed my father. And then everybody's like, what? And then he just looks at the queen and he's like, hey, auntie. And auntie. I'm like, that <laughs> is one of the best lines in the movie. It's played in the theater, I remember. <laughs> it, and his it, time, I mean, that's, yeah, go, Jay. No, no, it's just, I, I think it's the same. It's, it, it's the confidence, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's. It's everything that you kind of wanted to see T'Challa be, but he's mm. just not that, you know? It's right. just different and more in your face and undeniable, and he's not wrong. No, and and one of the biggest strengths as an actor, Michael B. Jordan, is his timing and delivery, like, to your point, Nate. Like, the, the way he says lines yeah. um, just resonates so well. He just has mastered that that type of delivery and, and owning the moment. Um, yeah, the confidence oozes through for sure. So T'Challa's dead and that's it. Yep. Movie over. Um, oh, funny um, story. Now over. that you mention it, the, mm. the second time I went to watch black Panther. So I'm in the theater and there are these two, I want to say like, I don't know, like elderly feels like a, a slight to these women, uh, but they were like at least in their sixties, um, two white women. And they look like old Sunday school teachers. And they were like, they were like two rows ahead of me. Like this was like a matinee, so the theater was still pretty full because this is like opening week, but it's not packed. And so the moment where Killmonger throws T'Challa over the waterfall, these two women in unison gasp and they're like, "Oh no!" Like they thought, they thought in the movie called Black Panther, Tim Cable, <laughs> that we were gonna kill Black Panther sixty minutes into the picture and not bring him back. That was it. Marks. So that reminds me of, Nate, uh, when I went to see Wild Things in the theater. Oh, my Lord. And I went to see it again a few few days later. Uh, And the second time, there was an elderly couple of women in front of me. And in the threesome scene, they go, oh, it's going to make love. (laughs) 100% true story. It's, it's stuck with me ever since. 
such a weird way to put a threesome between a teacher and a oh, they're going to make love. Two students. <laughs> that just it was a different them. time. Yeah, just... <clears throat> oh, Lord. Yeah, so they did. I did see it twice in the theater, a week apart. What did they say when you and Andy went to see Anaconda opening weekend? <laughs> <laughs> they're going to take it all. <laughs> the whole snake. Uh, so I, I thought the way they bring T'Challa back was believable, too, within this world that they've created. Like, mm-hmm. it didn't feel too crazy to me because it is kind of a, well, how are they going to do this, right, type of thing. Um, but given the mystical nature of what they've already established through stuff like the ancestral plane and the herbs and the spices and everything else, um, it felt it, it felt like okay, you know. And I thought bringing M'Baka back in and – you know, having the Jabari come to help, like, all paid off well, too, from earlier to, you know, the honor that T'Challa showed him and respect, they pay it back. Even though they didn't want part of the tech, you know, they still want to be defending Wakanda. Mm-hmm. Mm. I, I thought watching Killmonger do the whole ritual um, with mm-hmm. the herb and all that stuff, that was like – yeah. It felt like offensive. You're like, no, you're not Black mm-hmm. Panther, you know. And right. like, mm-hmm. even though you are sympathetic to him, and you know, you watch his story as he, you know, does the little flashback, whatever mm-hmm. he does. Um, and you know, you do feel for him, but you also feel like, you know, sorry, but you're still mm-hmm. not Black Panther. I think my favorite thing about Killmonger's uh, trip to the ancestral plane is a visual thing. If you look in the room when Sterling K. Brown is talking to him, right outside the windows, you can see, like, the purple sky mm-hmm. yeah, of yeah. the ancestral plane. And it's like they're so close, but they can never get there mm-hmm. because right. of actions that weren't Eric's fault. And, you know, the, when Sterling K. Brown – like, Sterling K. Brown knows how to cry, like, at the drop yeah. of the Sterling K. Oh, Brown God. cries. So he fucking does. And this is <laughs> he cries every <laughs> fucking scene in that show. He cries when he goes to get an oil change to get 20% off. <laughs> oh, my God. Lord. You told me it was full synthetic. Like, I've said this before on a podcast. I've never met more, like, a show where, like, like nobody is ever happy in that goddamn show. Like, no. like what? there's no moments Didn't of joy. Feel? Everything is feel so though? happy and miserable. Yeah, that's why you love it. Let's cry all the time about it. So dramatic. Everything's a heavy. It must all be fucking Pisces because every goddamn thing born. is like, open the fucking top dramatic. Like, no tears for me, son. No, daddy, because you cried them all. Seeing those two on screen was also really cool because, yeah, like, two great actors that, you know, so again, Sterling K. Brown, not a big part of this movie, but, like, seeing him talk to Michael B. Jordan was, like, a statement scene just in itself, you know? Mm-hmm. And you Even Little that... Kid was, was pretty good. Like, Little mm-hmm. Baby Killmonger was pretty good. Yes, yeah. And you get the feeling of their closeness, too, like his mm-hmm. dad talking to him about Wakanda, telling mm-hmm. him about Wakanda. And, like, it's real to him. It's it's his home, you know, yeah. really, um, that he never got to see. So just, like, a lot of deep-seated stuff in this scene. Um, and the little boy talking about how everybody dies. And so he's hardened, you know, from a very early age, too. Yeah, and, and then – Send my fucking ass to the ancestral plane because it's seems a <laughs> seems a whole lot more peaceful than the terrible anxiety dreams I've been having lately. 
<laughs> I, think I don't, I don't care. The, the Lion King plane. Yes, mm-hmm. if, if Sterling K. Brown is going to cry his eyes out and <laughs> tell me it's not my fault and this, that, and the other, fine. I'll take it. <laughs> Nightmares. People, in the words of MC Scatcat, it ain't fiction. It is a natural fact. <laughs> words, words to my soul. We've created an amazing crossover movie between <laughs> Opposites Attract, The Lion King, This Is Us. Yes. Uh, I, so we get the big fight. Like, we've talked about a bunch. I don't think we need to harp on it again with you know, CGI and all that. But I do like Ross being part of it, like mm-hmm. taking up the arms for his, his new adopted family was cool. Um, and then you get the husband and wife showdown as well yes. at the end of the war because they are, they're staying on their sides right now. All these Marvel TV shows, Jenny, that's the one I want. I want, you know, no disrespect to Moon Knight and Miss Marvel, which I'm sure I'll love. I want the series that goes into the events of that household after this fight. Because <laughs> you oh, know wow. Wakabi in the doghouse forever. Oh, yeah. Would, would you kill me, my love? But Wakanda, without hesitation. <laughs> like, like, like you, you ain't getting no uh, sacred herb for the rest of your life, Wakabi. <laughs> You ain't getting heart-shaped nothing. That heart-shaped herb is closed. <laughs> you should just go to Oakland. Just go to go work in Oakland. Take that circuit. But, like, really, like, do they get divorced? I mean, like, seriously. Nah, yeah. she You can't come back from that, Wakabi. He's no. fully cucked. He's yeah, gone. He's no. like, she's, yeah. She's going to bang Ross while he watches. <laughs> With all this. Um, I, I thought the end for Killmonger was good, too, the way they did it. Mm. You know, and they let him die honorably, which is good, too, right? Because I yeah. thought they, he deserved that, too. Like we talked about, he's one of the grayest villains we've had. He had his reasons, and they let him see the sunset, you know, that he always heard about, or sunrise, whatever it was, uh, and, you know, let him kind of pass on his own. But I do think, I do think this is the biggest mistake of this movie. And it's not even a retrospecting with Chadwick Boseman passing, because obviously if Killmonger had stayed alive, their decisions may be a lot easier going forward, but taking Michael B. Jordan out of the universe within one movie felt short-sighted. Like, he didn't need to die, and I think everyone still goes home okay. You know, like, because I think he was redeemable and not likable, but like, there was something there. And we already had Claw die, you know, maybe move that right. to a little bit later in the movie if you need to, but we didn't need them both dying. Like he could have wounded him, and they save him, and he just defers, right? Like, okay, T'Challa, mm. like you, know, you are the king, mm. you are the Black Panther, and like you know, let him live his legacy out. Whether he mm. goes back to Oakland, like we see at the end, you know, um, to to spread the word, or he stays there, whatever it is. Like, I just think it's a better universe with him around. And that, again, it's not just a hindsight thing. It's mm. even just seeing him, what if, right? Tim, like you mentioned, like he's obviously down to play ball. Um, yeah. So, like, why not? It, it, just, it felt unnecessary. He's like too big, a, too good of a character and too good of an actor to take down so quick. It just didn't feel necessary to me. I agree with you 100% as a viewer, but I feel like this is, this is the only logical end for this character in this movie that we've seen. Because I don't feel his pride would have allowed him any other route. Right. Yeah, he'd rather fact, take the honorable death. Yeah. yeah. And the, the fact that he, he says the line. You know, I talked earlier to him about this is a Marvel movie and even more than that, a damn Disney movie. 
that we get mm-hmm. the line, you know, bury me in the sea. You know, I'd, I'd rather be there uh, with my ancestors that jumped from the slave ships because they knew death was better than bondage. Like, that character can't be locked up just because that's not his worldview, you know. And so I, I would have loved for them to have found some way to keep Well, does he have to be locked up, though? Like, can't yeah. T'Challa just say, you're going to be my... I mean, I mean, you, you started you're, a whole civil gonna... war, my, my guy. You got to spend some. You and Wakabi both got to spend some time in the kind of jail, sir. He would never be secure in his in his rule, knowing that Killmonger <laughs> is out there. You know? That that's true too. Yeah, it would yeah. always be a threat. Like it's one of those. All right, well, we aren't going to jail you, but you can't keep going around killing people. It just it would feel kind of cheap like he, there's no way to really hold him to like killing people any sort of yeah i mean don't you yeah, see the scale change his ways and send him yeah. to the plane and his dad tells him to stop and do the right <laughs> yeah well i i'm a, i'm of two minds and basically jt you and nate are are those two minds <laughs> um where it's like this is the right conclusion for this story but as a fan of the overall continuing story of the MCU you definitely wish he was still in play um but for for this to have been such a a powerful movie it deserves like a a powerful finality to it mm-hmm. and and that's what we do get with this this death scene so i don't know there is a version of this where maybe you you do everything that they did here and then like there's a I don't know, a post-credit scene that establishes, oh no! At, at, at the last second, they um, they gave him more of the herb and they saved him, or so, and it's like, well, what will you do now, cousin? And it's like, uh, you know, well, they could still do fine. Right? I mean, I mean, there is a I way guess around. They could, so, like, yeah. I guess they could, yeah. but at the same I mean, time, he could still like, open Black Panther two with him coming out of the water. Yeah, if they yeah. Well, he, I mean, and he it's could just, be in the ancestral plane. He could be a variant since that's on the board now. Like, there's, I think there's ways you can bring. If not this specific exact Killmonger back, a version of Killmonger played by Michael B. Yes, it's the age-old pro- problem of comics, right? Where mm. you want to be able to tell these these gripping stories that again have real stakes to them and um, this this emotional resonance, but you want to be able to keep using your characters forever. <laughs> and when you kill someone off, that should be it, but you bring them back, and it's like, does that cheapen the the earlier story of their death? As as unless it was a very poorly told story in the first place, it's like, yeah, let's get them back out there. But for it to be as as well executed as it is here, you're like, you you really don't want to. I don't know. You, you don't want to trivialize that by just bringing him back and just giving him the the typical superhero death and resurrection treatment. But at the same time sort of feels like we have fewer options now than sadly we did yes. in a post-2018 Black Panther world. The only other thing, too, I'll say is a slight ding is I feel like they neutered Chadwick Boseman a bit. Because of the way he's so cool and steady, he was surrounded by a lot of powerful actors that mm. almost mm-hmm. overshadowed him. Yeah. And like, we're kind of told he's an amazing fighter. We don't see it totally. The M'Baku fight kind of. But even that, he got kind of squashed until he pulled it out at the end, right? <laughs> um, so I feel like we don't 
I don't know. Yeah. I think it's one of the issues with his main villain being so charismatic. It's Michael B. Jordan, right? Is I that, will say, though, like, yeah. I, I do want to shout out the one scene where we did get, like, a more boisterous Chadwick, and that's the second time he visits his father. Right. Uh, on the ancestral plane where he has mm-hmm. he has that rage, but it's a it's a noble rage, if you will, mm-hmm. Tim Capel. And it's like, you know, he's telling all of the former uh, previous kings, you know, you were wrong. You were wrong to leave the boy. You were wrong to hide Wakanda from the world. And I feel like, and I think Chadwick even said it before his passing because, you know, going to what if we got that great episode where, you know, what if T'Challa was Star-Lord? Uh, right. Shout out, shout out to that man, Cha-Cha. And I think Chadwick, Chadwick said, like, he wanted to bring a little bit more of that version of T'Challa into Black Panther 2. So I think had had he come back for the second one, it mm. would have been a little yeah. bit more charismatic he would have had less of the burden i guess because that's mm-hmm. what this movie is about tim capel now that no, i think right. about it the first time we see him in this movie he's flying back from civil war his father's dead and he's the king so there's a burden on him almost from the beginning of the movie yes absolutely just that burden of leadership that's that's sort of his his hero's journey yeah. is navigating that and um it, going back to that that great quote from tachaka it's it's Hard to be a good man and a king. Um, and I also, I don't know, I'm, I'm thinking on some of what we know now versus what we knew then. And I don't want it, to, it's a sensitive subject, certainly. And I, I don't want to, like, speculate or um, make, make assumptions or whatever. But I I question how much um, he may, Chadwick Boseman may have been held back just by his health. Um, mm-hmm. Because he was um, battling cancer even at the time of, of the filming of this movie. And it was, yeah. I think people close to him, his co-stars, the crew, um, you know, key people in, in the making of this film knew that and probably made the deliberate decision to, it's like, hey, um, he's going to probably need, all, he, he would not admit it necessarily, but he's going to need all the help he can get. So let's all really bring our A game. Mm-hmm. Right. To mm, to lift his for to lift his yeah. performance as, as much as possible. I don't again, I don't know that, but yeah. it's just one I of think those... that also, Tim, and I haven't really talked about it tonight, but there's that which I didn't even think about. And I think that could be yeah. uh an actual great point. But I also think just the fact that this movie is being made and the importance of this movie to be good. Mm-hmm. Because if yeah. this movie is a yeah. flop like not even a flop. Like if this movie is like the lesser Marvel movie, it's the just okay. movie, yeah. yeah, if it's, it's just, just okay, okay, we might not get another movie led by a black cast like this right. in mm-hmm. this genre. Right. Or an Asian and, man, and, or a woman. Or or I was gonna say, yeah, the similar pressure yeah. was on Captain um, Captain Marvel a bit too, right? Because of all the criticism there about right. um, the power and you know a lot of the female heavy cast there too. So. Um, yeah, I think it's a great point, Nate. Like, they had to crush this one. And I, and, and Tim, I agree with you too. I just think Michael B. Jordan, no matter what the situation was, was going to probably yeah. outshine Billy. <laughs> yeah, he's just, he's just such probably. a presence. Probably. Plus, he's so, a bad guy, and it's more fun to be the bad yeah. guy. Yeah. Right, right. And he, he brings I'm the sure. Yeah, it's, that's yeah. gotta, yeah. it's just, it, from everything I've, I've heard about, um, and read about, uh, Chadwick Boseman's health and, you know, in the wake of his passing, it just seems like it was a minor miracle right. that we got even as much of his Black Panthers as we did. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it, it sounded like he was really just powering through it in incredible ways. I, I mean, I get it. Like, I get the point, and I agree about you know this movie needs to be good. It's just that sucks that that's a thing that like they have yep. to think about or mm-hmm. address in any way. Like, the fact that we even had to say it kind of sucks. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And, you know, that that was, like, what, four years ago. I, I feel like yeah. we're already sort of moving away from that, right? Like, there I was, mean, like, a very specific time where that was a thing, and hopefully it's not a thing anymore. Hopefully. Yeah, it just, I don't know, to, to illustrate the, the difference, look, I love Chris Hemsworth in, in a multitude of ways, as, as we <laughs> documented on the yeah. show. But, but let's face it. You can shit out a Thor of the Dark World, and no matter how, you know, iffy it is on quality, eh, it's really not going to justify, it, it's really not going to, it, it's it's not going to um, harm the chances of, of there being like Thor a Thor. Yeah. It's like, okay, yeah. like, maybe you missed on that one, but we're still doing a Thor 3, come on, like, right. <laughs> but if this, even if it had been like, Again, just okay or or just this side of profitable, you're having these weird internal discussions mm-hmm. about, well, it's hard to sell it to China and this, that, and the other. And, blah, blah, blah. Yep. and it's like, then we maybe don't. And even still, like, it's we're getting the sequel, which in a lot of ways, I mean, just speaks, again, to the tragedy of losing Chadwick Boseman. Is like this sequel has been plagued by a lot of issues, even mm-hmm. beyond – uh, the death of their main star, and it, it almost, in some ways, feels like a weird stopgap, knowing that we've we've got like this, um, I don't know, this Disney Plus Wakanda centered series coming at at some mm-hmm. point in the near future. It's it's almost like, what are they going to do with this sequel? Is it just we've got to get it out there, and then once it's done, we sort of take stock and reassess and figure out the way forward. It's it's a real I don't know. It, it it's. I just don't know what to anticipate with that sequel now. I mm, I really, yeah. in so many ways, for so many mm-hmm. reasons. Mm-hmm. So uh, just quick before we get to our uh, wrap up here, um, in the mid credit scene, that they all show up and in front of the United Nations and like basically reveal <laughs> Wakanda, like they're the uh, the real truth. Um, what do we think about this? choice is is it the right choice tim yeah yeah um yeah i i think it's again it's honoring what eric stood for without necessarily honoring his actions um it's showing that okay yes he did have a point he did leave an indelible mark on us and Mm -hmm. um we can sort of blend we can blend these philosophies it, it doesn't have to be this this mutual mutually exclusive path you know where this or that like we're either totally isolationist or throw our doors wide open there is a way of of threading that needle um and he is eric Kilmonger has opened our eyes to that mm-hmm. so yeah it's it's a fitting conclusion and i, I kind of like that it's a it's a post-credit scene too because it's sort of like the movie itself, the way it ends, sort of leaves you hanging on that question, but it's also not the most important question raised mm. by this movie and its characters. And it still, I mean, gives you an answer. 
So that's one way forward, certainly. Yeah, the the whole kind of finishing sequence of of this match that we just watched, Jennifer Slips, <laughs> uh, like from you know the showing back up in the in the same you know complex back in Oakland where their father killed their uncle and Killmonger was abandoned, and like we're we're letting ourselves be known to the world, and then you have an echo of like the Iron Man ending, uh, with mm, the kids uh-huh. like, "Who are you?" And right mm-hmm. before he says who he is, we get maybe my favorite end credit sequence in a Marvel movie where we get all the stars with the SZA and Kendrick Lamar with the little sand sculptures or whatever. Like, that's such a cool ending. Uh, And then we get, like, the scene that you're talking about where Wakanda's in front of the World Council and you get one uh, uh, asshole, like, uh, senator who's like, what can Wakanda give to the rest of the world? And in my head canon, Tim Capel, he's, like, the delegate from Latveria. Like, like, we we don't need all this negativity, Mr. Latvarian. But circling back on a point that uh, JT made (laughs) about kind of Bozeman's charisma and the lack of in comparison to Michael B., I think in scenes like the end credit scene, that's where it works. Mm. When he's being regal and when he's giving this speech about, you know, in times of trouble, the fool, the wise man builds bridges while the foolish man builds walls. And obviously there's some political stuff there. But I feel like regardless of what side of the aisle you're on, right, right, center, left, that should be something we all work towards in mm-hmm. terms of building bridges in times of trouble. And so, yeah, I really like that that was kind of the last statement from T'Challa. Uh, and, you know, if if this is kind of the extent of your Black Panther watching, like, I liked it in a way that's the last statement from Chadwick as this character is that, mm-hmm. you know, we, we are opening ourselves to the world. Uh, no longer will we be hidden, and we want to build bridges. Yeah. Well said. And then in the very last post credit scene, mm. we get to see uh, one-armed Bucky Barnes. Uh, <laughs> mm. Jesus Bucky, as I like to call him. <laughs> uh, so that's cool. I mean, I'm, I'm always going to pop for Somebody showing up at the end, you know, mm. that we haven't seen in a little bit. So um, that was cool. I, I pretty much remember I had to pee really bad during that part, so, um, which is the case with a lot of these movies. <laughs> and that's, that scene does take another uh, level in meaning or, or resonance, I guess, perhaps. Maybe not meaning, uh, but resonance if you've watched uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, which I enjoyed even though it did have some flaws, but mm. seeing – Bucky's relationship with the Wakandans and how they deprogrammed him. Like, mm-hmm. it wasn't just like with this charity case. Like, there's actual relationships that have been built between Bucky and the Wakandans. Mm-hmm. So, if, or I guess when, because Feige's going to put the money on the table, but when the Wakanda series happens, I wouldn't mind if, if we got some Sebastian Stan Ooh. here and there sprinkled in. Mm, yeah. I don't hate that. I don't hate that either. All right, uh, any other thoughts before we do our little wrap-up? Just this movie made all the money in the world. Well, all yes, the money we should probably mention this. Yeah, really we probably did. should. I forgot about that, I mean, honestly. It, you know, the biggest blockbuster of the MCU to date. Um, Shit, really? And, oh, yeah, this this movie, I mean, domestically is... I, I, think, I think Endgame eventually... Yeah, Endgame passed it past it but um Oof. yeah it's 700 like 700 million yeah, yeah that's just, just domestic. domestic 
So when you look at the way this cleaned up, it was $1.3 billion. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Unreal. And to Tim's point earlier, like I, if this movie doesn't do this well, I don't know if we get Shang-Chi or if, we, if it takes, you know, eight more years until we get Shang-Chi because mm-hmm. they're gun-shy. That's bullshit, but agree. It is the fifth MCU film and 33rd overall to surpass $1 billion. <laughs> there you go. That's fucking crazy. Um, but well earned. So um, what do we usually do here? Like uh, a favorite character besides the main character, Tim? Um, for me, I will go with – we should probably also say other than Eric Kilgrave because it's such an obvious <laughs> mm, I don't know. I feel like sure. Killmonger should be on the table. Oh, Killmonger, excuse yeah. me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's yeah, it's probably going to be. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. I'm going Shuri on that. Going Shuri? Shuri's good. I really love her in this movie. Honestly, you could make a case for Okoye, too, though. Yeah, I do love her, too. Yeah. But it's Killmonger. Mm. <laughs> um, favorite scene, Nate? Ooh, my favorite scene. Damn. Honestly, everything except for the rhino fight. <laughs> <laughs> everything except for the rhinos, Nate Milton. <laughs> like there's so there's so many good scenes. Like if you had to force me to choose just one, I would probably go the fight sequence in Soul. But mm-hmm. like honestly, there's there's some really good interpersonal moments too. So it, it's hard to yeah. choose for me. You got one, Justin. Yeah, I mean, the easy answer is, right, the casino and the car mm-hmm. car chase, but uh, the Clover Lang beat down by Killmonger mm-hmm. of T'Challa, it was great. Uh, I'm going to go with the entire just action set piece in Seoul. Yeah, I got to do that, too. The casino, particularly. Yeah, all of it. Yeah, it's really good. Um, What else do we do here? <laughs> Always forget, don't I? I don't know, like, best line, maybe? Do any particular lines stand out? We're vegetarians. She- <laughs> <laughs> uh, Shuri calls uh, Everett a uh, colonizer at once, yes. which I think is funny. That's pretty good. Um, Don't sneak up on me, colonizer. <laughs> uh, Shuri with the, uh, what are those? That was pretty good. <laughs> but, um, Shit, I forgot about that. Yep. There were a lot of people. I was watching that old movie, that Back to the Future. You're <laughs> <laughs> <The whole> right. <laughs> She's great. <laughs> Mbaku's got a lot of great lines. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, yeah think, we're kind of sleeping on him. You're right. Yeah, like shout out to Winston Duke, who like I think a whole generation of people, or maybe not a generation, but like a large segment of the population learned the word "thick" with two C's after Winston Duke's portrayal in this film. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's a great exchange when you know it, it's so great. Like he has the this great comedic timing in seemingly serious scenes where. Uh, the Queen and uh, Nakia and Shuri are like, Killmonger murdered my son. And he's like, it was in ritual combat, correct? <laughs> and no no cheating was allowed, correct? Sounds to me like he lost. I'm like, that's <laughs> hilarious. It shouldn't be hilarious, but it is. It's like you're not expecting it, you know. It's very, very off-putting. Uh, what else? Is that all? I think that's all. What Perhaps. Can we count uh, uh, Claw singing Hathaway's What is Love as a, one of the best <laughs> lines of the movie? <laughs> Probably. Um, 
So I guess we'll do our overall grade and then rank them. Uh, Nate, I'll start with you. Ooh, so so grading scale, are we doing like 1 out of 10 or ABC? Oh, yeah, I forgot you didn't know that part. Um, It's 1 out of 10. With quarters. You may use quarters. You may use quarters. You don't have to rank them. Just do, the, just do your overall score. My overall, like I think this is honestly top tier Marvel. Uh, it for a long for the longest time it was my second favorite MCU movie. Uh, now it, I, I want to say now it's like third or fourth, but that's not a dis, not a slight on this movie. It's just there's been some amazing Marvel mm-hmm. that has followed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's still in my top five easily. Uh, I would go, and I think it it might be this might sound blasphemous to uh, our dear departed Tony Stark. I think this might be the best quote unquote solo origin movie. Uh, in the MCU, uh, even though I like Iron Man and and Shang Chi a whole hell of a lot, uh, so I'm gonna give it, I'm gonna give it a nine, nine out of ten. The only the only reason it doesn't get that last point is because of the damn rhinos, man. <laughs> a whole like, honestly, point for the like, rhinos. Like I feel like, and and obviously this is uh, playing the results, Tim. But I feel like had they known how much money this movie was going to make, they would have thrown an extra. 10, 20 million into the effects budget. Yep. Yep. I think I agree with that. So where's your overall ranking, Tim? This is always a tough one for me. It is eight. tough, yeah. I think I'm going to go with... I don't love it as much as Nate. I'm going to go with a cowardly eight... <laughs> and three quarters. Eight and three quarters. Eight and three quarters. <laughs> How uh, dare you, Tim Capel? Just shy of Nate. So, I mean, that that's a grade that I've given out before. That is the exact same grade that I gave um, Captain America the First Avenger, which I acknowledge I am way higher on than most people. Mm. So I would say this is probably a higher eight and three quarters than the eight and three quarters I gave Captain America the First Jeez. Avenger. So... But no, I um, you know, I agree with everything that that Nate has said. I think it really does hold the film back that that third act being as sort of paint by numbers as it is. So a, a very shorthand way of putting it is, uh, it's really great except for the rhinos. I, I love that, uh, <laughs> that that phrasing of it too, because it's it's just. For it to have done things so so well and so different than, again, everything that had come before in the MCU, and then to have it like, well, here we go, same old, same old kind of, but even worse in terms of effects. Like, I don't think it looks as good as even some of the more, I mean, as bad as, as, as much as we shit on, like, Thor the Dark World. I think that the, you know, the effect scenes are easier to look at in that than they are in the third um, act of this movie, which is a real damning thing to say. I absolutely acknowledge. Um, but again, I, I just think it, as we talk through, it's it's the difference between um, sinking all of your, your money into that, where it's, it's really, it's not going to show as much as if you put it towards other things where you really can show off and highlight the differences and, and what this, this movie does so much better um, than others of, of its kind. So that's, I think where I land. Jenny. All right. All right so I'm going to 
I'm going to choose your same grade. <clears throat> I'm at eight and three quarters. So Okay. You, you chose the cowardly path as well. I, I'm also good. a coward. <laughs> but it's like, I can't do the nine because that's like my, like, Iron Man. Throw. Yeah. I, I mean, see. yeah. It's like, and... And even Iron Man, the original that I love, is only an eight, so I feel like that's an appropriate mm-hmm. bump. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, very little things weigh it down. You know, there's not <laughs> a lot to complain about with this movie. And um, I think, like Nate says, on those subsequent watches, you pick up more and you think about things more. I think this whole conversation has made me think about the movie a lot. Mm-hmm. Not differently, but just um, more in-depth. It definitely is a top-tier movie in the MCU. Uh, Justin, what are, what are you landing at? I will be your Killmonger. I'm going to do what no one else has the balls to do, and let's rate this properly, with a 9.25. Um, so it's pretty high. So I have a tied with uh, Franz Ferdinand, uh, Age of Ultron. <laughs> And I'm with Nate, where I think I had the highest solo origin story outside of, uh, no, yeah, I have it above Guardians of the Galaxy. So, yeah, yeah. I think it's the mm, highest. Um, no, I thought it was really well done. The the look, the feel, like, you, they established Wakanda as a place so well. Um, that felt real. You know, I've gushed, obviously, over Michael B. Jordan. Like, I think the casting was tremendous. It's a movie that moves quick. There's a lot going on. Uh, you never get like those slowdowns, and just the supporting cast all knew their roles and, and came to play. And outside of the minor nits I raised earlier around killing off Killmonger and you know him outshining T'Challa, the rest of me was was just really great. So yeah, I, I thought this was a great movie and it ranks high. Now Nate, you should know my my MCU radar gun runs a little hot, so my my two five. <laughs> It does run a little hot. Runs a little hot. I only have like I only have two movies under an eight or no three under an eight, so that tells you where I'm at. Yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna blue balls a little bit here because I I don't want us to do our um, whole full rankings without Scott's input. So I think he's gonna um, you know kind of put in his two cents and um, Mm -hmm. maybe in our next episode we can kind of run down where we're at, you know, and, and slot in Black Panther when we have the full crew. But, um, so on that note, thank you so much, Nate, for, for stepping Mm -hmm. in for Scott. And, um, what would you like to promote while you are here? Yes. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. And to the listeners who maybe have been wondering this the entire time, no, I did not uh, force my way onto this episode. (laughs) This, this episode came about because I was, you know, a little peek in, into the soul of Nate Milton, Tim Capel. I'm a yep. busy man. Like, I do way <laughs> too many damn shows, and I work 40-plus hours a week at the day job, plus calling basketball games and, and football games on the side. So I have to multitask. So at night, I, I exercise like an hour on the exercise bike. And halfway into that exercise, I start drinking because I don't have, <laughs> I don't have time in my schedule, ah. Jennifer Smith, to, like, work out at 10 o'clock and then start drinking at 11. I gotta be honest. Knows it is me, Nate Milton. I gotta get everything I'm gonna done. Be honest. <laughs> if everyone in this called Nate, you would have been third in the ranking of someone that works out and drinks at the same time. <laughs> and, and I had somebody ask me like, 
doesn't that like defeat the purpose? And I'm like, no, because I'm going to drink anyway. So as long <laughs> yeah. as I'm doing something yeah. active, it's a wash. You know, I'm not gaining anything, but I'm not losing anything. Mm. Uh, and so I listen to podcasts while, while I work out and drink. And I, I was going through, because I, I saved up a bunch of the journey through infinity. And so mm. I was like, let me go and listen to these episodes I've got saved up. Oh, and, okay. and it conspicuously stopped right before Black Panther. <laughs> and, and so, much to my chagrin, Tim Cable, so I'm like, you know what, let me go straight to the source. I'm like, Jennifer Smith, uh, like, when is that uh, Black Panther episode coming out? I'm really excited to hear you guys' thoughts. What I didn't say, what I said in my mind was, if you guys just ended the show right before right Black Panther, I'm going to feel some type of way. Uh, and so that's what so, in my defense, I had been trying to wrangle this episode for a fucking mm-hmm. six months. So, that's true. That's yeah. true. There's four of us that do way too much shit. And, <laughs> yeah. not get it. and then I'm like, we going to do this or not? I canceled the show at one point. I'm like, we're done. We did. Like, we canceled the show. <laughs> not me. I had never canceled the date. I said we got to do like Thank you. Thank you, Justin. I appreciate you, brother. Uh, so, yeah, that's, that's how I ended up here with this great crew tonight. Uh, but, yes, thank you for having me on to talk about this film that I really enjoy and a film that is maybe one of the most important Marvel films, whether you – think it's a 9.25 or you think it's a 7 it's undoubtedly one of the most important mcu films um if you want to hear me talk about things that aren't black panther uh you can check me out on a multitude of platforms of course place to be nation i'm part of the main event with uh the missing scott criscola and the always present at least in our hearts steve willie uh we've got some good stuff planned for wrestlemania so uh check in on that over at Place to Be Nation, I'm part of the NWA podcast at Post Wrestling, the Nubian Wrestling Advocates. Uh, we have a new episode dropping. Uh, by the time you listen to this, it's probably already out, I'm assuming. I don't know how this show works, Jennifer Smith. I don't uh, either, <laughs> It's either not out or it's already out. Either there way. Go. <laughs> go look for it. Uh, and I got the Rocky. This story does not exist. Yes. <laughs> and I got the Rocky Mountain View picture show at Post as well. Uh, which Jennifer has been on, uh, despite her uh, irrational disdain for the greatest national treasure the world has ever known, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Look, you need some balance on that show. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> no, nothing fair and balanced about the Rocky Maivia <laughs> picture show. We are in the tank for DJ. Uh, I hope you're doing every episode of Ballers on that, Nate. We did a Ballers retrospective where we like looked at okay. the uh, – pilot episode and then we talk about the series as a whole so but that's the thing like if i ever need more rocky my v like if rock just decides he doesn't want to do any movies anymore and a year from now we're tapped out at movies i got ballers in the back pocket and young rock (laughs) so so don't don't think this is going to end when Dwayne stops acting Uh, uh naomi is a superhero show about uh a young girl that discovers she has powers uh and it's over on the cw produced by ava duvernay I'm on that show uh, uh, on the DCTV Podcast Network, along with The Lituation Room, which is myself, Brittany Monet, Clement Bryant, and uh, Vanessa Shark. Uh, we talk comics and movies and all sorts of stuff from the perspective of uh, black nerds, so y'all can check that out. And finally, the Kings of Sport Podcast, uh, which is one episode away from 300. Uh, so. Mm. About to hit that milestone, Tim Capel. About, about to get the, all these uh, praise and accolades out here on these social media streets, I'm hoping. Uh, but if you, that's, that's coming up uh, here pretty soon. But also the Kings of Sport Patreon. Patreon.com backslash the Kings of Sport. Five bucks gets you in the door for 
over 200 hours of content, audio, video, talking sports, wrestling, pop culture, politics, comic stuff, movie stuff. And in fact, the latest new show up is a review of Peacemaker, uh, oh. the mm-hmm. HBO Max series. So uh, check that out. Five bucks gets you in the door. I know y'all got tax money. Don't play with me. Like, <laughs> everybody on, the, on these, on these uh, Twitter streets, Tim Cape, are like, oh, Nate, man, that was such a great show. Oh, Godfather, we love when you come on and talk about stuff, but you ain't, you ain't contributed to the, to, the, to the church's building fund. So if you love the church, I'm going to need you to contribute to the pass building the fund so we, so we can right, pass the plate so we can start building up some more things. Some but more doors for everything on that building. Look, like we, we ain't put a doorknob on the building yet, so we no. need y'all to contribute to the Patreon. Uh, five bucks is all it takes. Uh, and for everything else, man, just follow me on Twitter at in the number eight, M-O-Z-A-I-K, at Nate Mosaic. If you're wondering, my number one MCU movie is still Winter, uh, Winter Soldier. Uh, but thank you, Jennifer. Thank you, Tim. Tim, it's been way too long. Uh, thank you, Justin. Justin has even been longer than Tim. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a there's some phrasing there, but let's go with it. But uh, thank you mm-hmm. all uh, for, it's for been a proven. wonderful chat. It's what been established as canon. <laughs> um, Make it quick, Tim. Look, I don't do shit you know compared Justin's to already Nate. checked out. I don't do shit compared to Nate, honestly. Um, and even with all that he does, he still found the time to resurrect our podcast here, <laughs> The Journey Through Infinity. Uh, yeah, I saw your podcast, you Tim. It was by the side of a riverbank. I gave it some heart-shaped herb and some purple drink, and it came back to life. Good. Good. Our show is Black Panther now. Yeah. So thank you very much, Nate Milton. Um, I would just say subscribe to the Jenny position. Um, subscribe also to the North-South Connection uh, Twin Companion Podcast Networks on the North-South Connection. JT, you and I have a little ditty together mm-hmm. called 9021-NOSO. And that is a Beverly Hills 90210 retrospective going episode by episode uh, still yeah. in the first season, even though we've been doing it for uh, the better part of uh, 17 years now. Um, Make a lot of progress. No, uh, we are making very good progress. We're almost done, in fact, with that first season. We will be done um, sooner than we think, I believe, and uh, we'll move right along. We uh, do have a, a rotating third seat on that mm-hmm. podcast. So we have a guest each episode, sometimes a, a repeat guest, but – uh, if you're a fan of 90210 uh, and would like to join us in that third seat, just reach out. Um, whether you've done a podcast before or not, really doesn't matter. Uh, we will have a lot of slots to fill coming up. So you can connect with me on Twitter. I am at Psych68CYKE68. If you do want to chat 90210 or MCU or even wrestling, God Sammy forbid, Guevara. perhaps <laughs> Sammy Guevara, uh, although we're, oh, well, go, the relationship's gone a little cold. Mm-hmm. He's doing a little too much on Twitter right now, Tim. He's doing a little much. You're, you're right. You're right about that, <laughs> Nate Milton. Um, so, yeah, I think that'll cover it for me. Justin? Tim Tim handled my plugs, so I'm good. North-South right. Connection. Awesome. There you go. Uh, Jenny Position has shows like you heard about Pluto, which is the brainchild of Nate Milton. And uh, I abandoned our child, much like King Kachaka. You did. Well, there you Made it I've been it. It all of my own, Nate Milton. <laughs> I, again. 
hey, I can't pay podcast child support because these people ain't subscribing to the Patreon. That's how it works. I'll pay to the Patreon, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Tim and I are going to be a talking pop at some point. And, will we? Yeah, we will. And uh, then there's also uh, Freak Out Drive-In, which is very good. I'm on Twitter at Danny Position and uh, the Facebook page. And we are finally done with this episode of The Journey through Infinity. And goodbye. So I didn't really know a lot about Black Panther. I, I mean, I read some of his character, um, you know, through Avengers comics, um, if I remember correctly. Um I think it was sometime in the the late 70s. I think he first popped up as a character. Um, if I remember correctly, I think he was in... Um, maybe in the, the mid-70s. Uh, it wasn't revolutionary uh, for Black Panther in terms of a an African-American superhero. Because we had Jon Stewart when he was Green Lantern. That was the early 70s. Obviously Luke Cage, Falcon... Um, uh, but there was something different about his character because he was he was not only um, a great uh, superhero, but he was also the leader of a country. Um, so he he had a lot of power, um, and it was it was a very mysterious character, and I I didn't know a ton about it. So I was excited uh, when uh, he was given his own he was going to be given his own movie, um, and. I thought it was a good time to introduce him uh, in Phase 3 because, you know, we just got out of an awesome movie, in all all of our opinions, in uh, Thor Ragnarok. But as we're in Phase 3 and we were heading down the home stretch of the final showdown with uh, with Thanos, I think it was a good time to have a, uh, a, a character debut, his own backstory. We know about, of course, in Civil War, uh, when his father when T'Challa's father uh, died um, in the uh, in the attack uh, in Civil War. Um, so it was good to have his backstory because he was a guy that, a superhero is going to be quite prominent uh, throughout the rest of Phase 3. Uh, so I was excited. I was excited for this movie because it was something different. You know, I knew a lot about the Avengers characters as we've discussed, but... Black Panther was one that I really was not totally familiar with, except the occasional time he popped in in a, an Avengers book, you know, when I was reading the Avengers in the early to mid-80s. Um, so I was excited right off the bat. So I kind of went in with a preconceived notion that this movie was going to be great. And it was. Uh, I absolutely love this movie. Uh, it's one of the ones that I could watch over and over again, or when it's on TV, it hooks me in. Um, first off, it's a great story. Um, and the backstory of T'Challa's struggles with his father's death and having that power leading this, leading Wakanda, having a powerful family, a powerful mother, and, you know, a sharp sister, you know, uh, big in tech, and, um, and an, a powerful army, you know, it was a lot for him. You could see it in his eyes, and, and I'm going to get to Chadwick Boseman in a minute, because, he obviously cannot be forgotten in this whole equation. But I was looking forward to the story and the backstory and how great a character he was going to be for the franchise. Um, 
it was a different kind of movie because uh, once again we were curious to see how the middle goes in terms of the the second act and him losing to Killmonger and kind of bringing himself back uh, was huge and it was a great opportunity um, to see how that what this guy's made of what T'Challa was made of um, as for the actors uh, I think this was cast magnificently Chadwick Boseman I didn't really know a lot about him uh, the again as an actor the, the first thing I ever saw besides Civil War uh, actually before Civil War the first thing I ever saw him in was um, he played uh, Jackie Robinson in 42 and he was awesome in that role um, he should have been nominated best actor for that role because he was amazing it's not easy to play an iconic figure like that in 20th century history and uh, he he you know, the, the struggles that Jackie Robinson had, similar to the struggles T'Challa had in terms of his position as this iconic figure uh, in this world that relied on him after his father died. And you could see it in Chadwick Boseman's eyes, you know, how powerful he was uh, in that role uh, and how he was perfectly cast. So kudos to that. Michael B. Jordan... I mean, I know him more, obviously, as uh, as uh, Apollo Creed's son. But he was great as Killmonger. He had that look of a villain. You know, sometimes you just have that look. And a ton of characters and actors throughout the, the MCU had that villain look. Uh, Jeff Bridges in Iron Man and Corey Stoll in, in The Wasp and, uh, you know, uh, Mickey Rourke and, you know you have that villain look where he could turn it on and become uh, the perfect villain. And that's what, uh, and that's what Killmonger was a guy who felt he was owed something and was going to take it rather than try to earn it. And uh, that was a tremendous opportunity for, for Michael B. Jordan. And he killed it, knocked it out of the park uh, as a uh, tremendous heel as Killmonger. Uh, the rest of the cast is great. Lupita Nyong'o and uh, Martin Freeman, who's always great in everything. Um, Letitia Wright, Angela Bassett, Forrest Whitaker, um, Andy Serkis. I mean, it's just a great cast. Just such an amazing cast. The climax was amazing. That second fight was was uh, was amazing. The battle again, the rematch. A great build. And a, and, a, and a great way to kind of envelop the story uh, uh, into the MCU. Um, Ryan Coogler, I thought, did a great job of kind of steering us to have sympathy for this character from the beginning. Obviously, we felt it in Civil War when his father died. And now we see him here with the weight of the world on his shoulders... And he needed to fight at the end for what he believed in and what he he uh, had to defend, which was the world of Wakanda, the country of Wakanda. So I was uh, I was just blown away by the by that that uh, climax fight, and and we've talked about a bunch of them here on the show. 
about all of the, the climax battles, Ultron, all three, you know, the first two Avenger movies and the Iron Mans and the Caps and, and all of the, the, the climaxes. But this, that battle, that rematch with Killmonger was, uh, was pretty great and, and caught and, and hooked me to the edge of my seat. I loved the, the colors. Like it was a very, um, uh, how do I word it? Because, you know, we were back into base colors of grays and darks and lights, but not a lot of other colors like Thor Ragnarok was, which was shot with a lot of neon and bright red and bright green and everything. This was very earth-toned, and uh, which fit because Wakanda, very, you know, very uh, rural country, um, and a very, but, but just an amazing look. So kudos to Ryan Coogler to, on how he shot that movie, Showing us that that Wakanda may have been a an alternate world, but very real at the same time. I thought that was pretty great too. This might shock a lot of people because I didn't do uh, before Thor Ragnarok. I didn't drop any tens, and I know some of us had a couple of tens early on. And then I gave Thor Ragnarok a ten. And I'm giving this a perfect ten too. This is this is a fantastic film, and I'm not saying that the movies we've had before here were imperfect, but there were some. I mean, you know. Thor the doo-doo shit, um, and, you know, Hulk for some of you. <laughs> but phase three, which is the phase that really needed to hit all the beats because we're getting to the big point now. We're getting the build to the big battle with, with Thanos. We need to be on all, you know, they need to be on all cylinders now. There's no room for mistakes if you're going to hook in all the people and make a billion dollars. And so back-to-back -back now, we've hit the beats. So I'm giving Black Panther a 10 out of 10 uh, because it was perfectly shot. It was a tremendous story, fantastic acting, not just by Chadwick Boseman or Michael B. Jordan, but the supporting cast was awesome. Angela Bassett is his mom. Just a, a, an awesome array of talent on camera. And again, Ryan Coogler did a great job of shooting this world that we were trying to connect with, and we did. So, 10 out of 10 for me. Uh, not probably the last 10 I'll drop, but probably the most surprising, perhaps, of the 10s I'll drop. Because I didn't think I was going to, because I was so unfamiliar with it, I wasn't sure how, uh, I, you know, how the movie was going to hit me, but it hit me uh, a lot in the VS. So, 10 out of 10 for Black Panther for me. And down is get done. I'm in a rush to be numb. Dropping a thousand ain't much. Come from the clouds on the missile to turn this whole town into dust. Don't make a sound, baby. Hush. I am the living swipe right on the mic. I'm a slut. I don't know how to not spit like a loud. I feel the pound of my kids on your couch. Half of a mongrel and mythical team. Dealing this treacherous thing. Legend says L is a spawn out of hell. The myth is my mama's a murderous queen. Yo, I can eat like in Godfather 1. You get the gun as I christen my son. If I die today in this hell, I should pay. Tell the Lord Mikey said, fuck it. Fun. Every new rack is my dick in a box. We get a doozy, the rulers a lot. You're getting used to me doing no wrong. I don't play chicken, you prick, I'm a fox. You wanna kick it, I'll give you the rocks. You kiss the wood chipper blade if you bark. I'm fucking magic, in fact, I'm a wall like a toss. I got a unicorn for Stop. Ooh. 
Dust. 